0: This is the MJ Cast, and this is episode 13. Today we'll be talking about Tito Jackson performing at Under the Bridge in London, new footage of Michael Jackson from the outtakes of The Way You Make Me Feel video and also footage from the Triumph Tour, Ed Hardy designer Christian Odige passing away at age 57, American Federation of Musicians is suing Sony Music over the This Is It documentary, Tavis Smiley is to release a book about the last 16 weeks of Michael Jackson's life. We're going to be talking about the brand new Janet Jackson music video for No Sleep. And Catherine Jackson presenting the charity weekend event, I Just Can't Stop Loving You. We'll also be talking about the just leaked full version of Seeing Voices. All on this week's episode of the MJ cast with Jamin and Q.
1: The following is a presentation from the MJ Cast, the internet's premier podcast on
0: all things Michael Jackson. You're listening to the MJ Cast by MJ fans or MJ fans. The idea is to
2: uh, innovate or else why, why? am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You already create yourself, really. I know I do, and I love to entertain. That's that's one of my favorite things.
1: Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. Q, how you doing?
0: Good, Jamin. How are you doing?
1: Oh, I'm awesome. Except I had a little cat issue this morning.
0: You had a cat issue and you've been sick. You've had not the terrificest last couple of days. No,
1: it's been really bad, but I think I'm finally getting over my flu. I woke up to a what was going to be a really happy Saturday morning, and then found out that our two kittens have snuck some uh, chocolate overnight. So hopefully they're going to be totally fine. Rung, rung the vet and everything already, so it, it should be okay.
0: Yeah, they're sneaky. They'll eat anything that they're not meant to. We <laughs> one of ours would constantly eat like um you know like plastic plants. If you have a vase with like plastic plants in them, she would just like chew on them all. The, and we had to get rid of all of like sort of fake flowers in the house.
1: Wow, you know what I heard the other day? I heard that you can actually buy like special grass to put in your house
0: that cats can eat. I didn't even know oh, that. yeah, you, you should go get it. Like I know Bunnings sell it here. We have um, cat grass. I've got two pots of it out in the courtyard for them.
1: And they they really get into it.
0: Oh my God, Jasper eats it like he's a goat. He hoes into that grass like crazy. It helps their digestion and stuff. Mont- Montana will eat it a little bit, um, but Jasper, he would—he's like a as if he's a vegetarian,
1: <laughs> just smashing
0: it. Yeah, he smashes into that grass. It's hilarious. We need to um also, we'll put some posts up of um our cats because yeah. I know there's a lot of listeners out there with cats, which is awesome.
1: Cats of the MJ Cast.
0: Yeah, not ignoring dogs. Really, like dogs are fine. Oh, dogs but- are great. Like. Let's be honest. They slobber everywhere.
1: We'll try and get a photo of Sil Sil Mortillo's cat as well. We can. We can. We can put yes. that in there.
0: Yes, we've got we've got a one of our listeners is um over in I believe Scotland, Graham McCall, and um, that's GM Punk, and he has the most gorgeous little dog, little bat dog these his little Batman pajamas <laughs> and stuff. So shout out to Graham and to Bat Dog. <laughs> Bat Dog. Bat Dog and Yeah, there's some cool pets. So maybe listeners can send us photo of their pets and we'll share those or something in like a split pick. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yes. <laughs> So, it's been a big week, not only with your cats and you being sick and everything, but a lot of news and stuff been happening.
1: Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Like, obviously, michael, Michael's michael been gone for, you know, um, six years now, but it just doesn't seem like there's a week that goes past without a crazy amount of MJ news coming out. We've got, like, I don't know, roughly, like, eight news items this week to talk about.
0: Yeah, and some of it's with his family as well, like, which is also so cool that the, the family, um, they're all doing their own things as well, like... We, we 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 did. will admit we did try and record this episode last night, but mm. Skype was not behaving, so we had to cancel that and do it again today. But um, even during trying to record the intro last night, Janet dropped her video. Yeah, um, seeing seeing voices leaked like an hour or so before that. So yeah, stuff was happening.
1: Yesterday was huge. I mean, we got a new Janet Jackson video, and like you said, a, a well, not a new Michael Jackson song, but one we'd never heard before. I mean, it's not every day that sort of thing happens.
0: Yeah. Should we head into the news now? We should talk about some Tito Jackson news. Absolutely.
1: So Tito Jackson's uh, just come out and done his first show in, a, in quite a long time. A number of years, I think. Uh, and he's performed in London at Under the Bridge to launch his new album. There's some great footage that's come out as well. I'm not sure we'll be able to put that footage in the show notes, though, because I think it's on, on Instagram uh, rather than YouTube. I'll see if I can link it in, but there's some great footage there of um, him performing his 2011 single called We Made It. Great song. He, he looks really uh, active and enjoying what he's doing and it looked like a really good show. Did you see any of that footage as well, Q, or?
0: I think so. I think I saw it on, I think it was Instagram that you mentioned, yeah. Um, I just love how He's got his own little, like, um, image with the little bowler hat. It is a bowler hat, isn't it?
1: I think that's what you call it, yeah.
0: Yeah, Um, little bowler hat is like Tito's sort of little signature thing and his little style, and I think that's so cool.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's just, I think it's great that he's he's back and doing what he does. I remember it was in, I think he started really performing solo in the, I think it might have been the mid-2000s, and he, he kind of, like, uh, came out and started doing a lot of solo shows where it was him performing blues music and um, a, lot of th- a lot of music like that. Kind of different to the stuff he was performing as a member of the Jacksons and the Jackson 5. Uh, and I think he was really carving out a great niche for himself, doing a lot of that kind of um, you know blues and, and roots kind of music. And I just think it's amazing that he's back, he's performing again, and I just can't wait uh, for his solo album to come out soon. I think it'll be his first solo album from what I understand, but yeah, I'm very excited
0: that'll be cool and that'll hit like a whole other demographic as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Definitely something I'll be picking up. Uh now we're we're very lucky here today obviously to have uh somebody who's just about to call in to the show who's who saw who saw Tito live at this particular concert. Uh Charles Thompson, a journalist from England was there. He was uh watching the show and is just about to call in now. We'll see if we can get him on the line so we can talk to him about how it went. Charles, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. Yay. We've got you loud and clear. Welcome. Thank you. How are you doing? Good,
0: good early morning to you. I know it's past 1 a.m. over there.
3: It is one thirty-two a.m. Oh, wow. Crazy.
0: Okay, so Charles, you went to this gig at Under the Bridge.
3: I did indeed. Yeah, it was my first time at Under the Bridge, which is um, a lovely... Venue, it's a 500 capacity venue, so it's perfect, really. It's just the perfect size. Um, it's quite a modern venue. It, when you stand in front of the stage, it has this kind of wall of um, LED lighting which fills the whole back of the stage and then curves up and becomes the ceiling as well. Wow. Uh, so Tito was performing against this kind of crazy, psychedelic, multicolored, shape shifting background. Of um, LED lights, all behind his head and up above him, and it was just uh, very surreal. I've never seen anything like that before in such a small venue. The sound was fantastic. Um, I was right there in the front row. Oh great! Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it was funny because you know we we didn't really know um, with anything Jackson's related. You know, you, you you're always going to get some fans who are going to show up crazy early. So we got there like three hours before the doors were due to open, and there were about six people in the queue, and um, Tito was actually talking to them, um, and then just as we walked up, he went inside, so we missed him, um, and anyway, we thought, oh, screw this, there's only six people in the queue, so we went and had dinner, and we were gone for about an hour, and we came back, and there were still six people in the queue, <laughs> um, that's
0: the diehards that's the diehards <laughs> <Yeah. right
3: here. laughs> and then uh and then he actually came out again of the stage door to go and have dinner and um and he was chased up the road by the majority of the people that were in the queue um and we became numbers two and three in the queue by virtue of their having chased him off up the road my friend angela who came with me wandered up the road about 10 minutes later to see what was going on, and she said they were all just crowded around the window of the restaurant he was sat <laughs> in, <laughs> taking pictures of him, eating his dinner, which I felt a, a bit, bit sorry sad. for him. It well You know, it's like they've already spoken to him once when he was outside the stage door when we walked up, so why they're chasing him around, taking pictures of him, eating his bolognese or whatever it is he's eating, you know, mm. it's, it seems a bit uh, crazy. Um, or you know, some of the fans in that queue were bona fide crazy men. They were like, you know, there was one girl who was telling us that, um, you know, you, you, have to, you have to make sure you check that it is the real Tito and not the clone Tito because, you know, they've all, you know they've all got clones, right? It's all the Illuminati. And I was like, oh, Jesus. So, you know, and um, yeah, so that was interesting. We got about an hour of that. Um, she was telling us how Winston Churchill is the father of Bill Clinton, and it's all a it's all a Rothschild conspiracy to take over the world and all that stuff. That was great. So, um, <laughs> although she was more entertaining than the opening act, so um, <laughs> I forget even who the opening act was now. It was this blonde girl in a golden jacket, and you know, I could have done without her really. <laughs> um, and then, so Tito comes on, uh, as I say, lovely venue, we're right at the front, and just before Tito's due to come on, they bring on two extra microphones, and they literally put one of these microphones, like, right in front of my face, I'm not kidding, because the stage <laughs> is pretty small, yeah. so it's a very intimate venue, and it's like four inches from my face, this microphone stand, I'm like, oh god, what's going on here? So... And then he comes out, and he brings out uh, two vocalists, one of whom is Denise Pearson from the group Five Star, and the other guy, I've written his name down somewhere, is called Hayden Eshon, and he is currently performing in Thriller Live in the West End, and you know my views on Thriller Live. (laughs) Um, So, anyway, it turns out this microphone stand, which is immediately in front of my face, belongs to... Hayden Eschen. And um, so Tito comes on. I can tell you what he opened with because I actually, we were st- stood right in front of the set list. He, um, he came on to one of his own solo songs called I Gotta Play and then a second solo song called T Bone. Um, and this guy from Thrill Alive, I mean, he's like, I, I, you know, it's like he's had like 15 crates of sunny delight before he came on the stage or something because he is just. All over the place, and it's like right in front of my face, so that was very distracting. Um, and then, so he launches right after those two solo tracks, he launches straight into basically a straight run of Jackson's Jackson Five and Michael Jackson material. And he says immediately, You know, listen, I have a very deep voice, I don't sound like Michael, I can't sing like Michael, hence, I've got Denise and Hayden here. Um, and then go straight into I Want You Back, ABC, The Love You Save, Dancing Machine, Can You Feel It, Blame It on the Boogie, Rock With You, Black or White, Heartbreak Hotel, and I'll Be There. Straight in a row. Wow. Um, yeah. And he, Although I should say he was not performing the full versions of most of these songs. Or in fact any of these songs, I don't think. Maybe I'll Be There as a full version. But um, Was a lot yeah, of it kind of as playing...
0: like medley format?
3: Yeah, so the first few... So I Want You Back, ABC, The Love You Save, Dancing Machine are performed in a medley uh, of the kind of length that Michael would perform them in a medley when he was on tour. Um, Can You Feel It was probably, you know, two-thirds of its original length. Uh, Blame it on the boogie. I think we got kind of a verse, a chorus, a vamp, a chorus, and then it was finished. We might have got All of Rock With You... Um, we got most of Black or White. Heartbreak Hotel, we got a verse, a chorus, Tito solo, and then a kind of a chorus, and then it was finished. Uh, so, all the way through this section, he's alternating between Denise Pearson and uh, Hayden Eschen. Um, and Denise is uh, a very talented vocalist. She actually was the opening act. For the Jacksons when they came to London on their Unity tour in 2013, and she is an incredible singer. And what she was doing at this show was she was kind of singing in a very high voice, and she sounded pretty much like Michael did in the Jackson Five. Uh, she did a great job of that. And um, and then you know occasionally this guy Hayden would uh, would assume lead vocal duties, which was uh, became a bit tiresome, to be honest. He was kind of... Um, see, I, I I love to hear Michael's music played live, but what I really don't like is impersonation, because I think that kind of cheapens the whole thing. And at the end of the day, nobody can perform like Michael Jackson. So when people try to copy him, it just always looks bad by comparison. So he's kind of skipping all over the stage, doing the crotch grab and the and the points and the Hip thrusts and foot taps and all this stuff and pulling sort of Michael oh, Jackson wow. faces. So he it, was he was, was he wasn't like, just
1: mimicking the vocals. He was trying to, to do all the dance moves and everything as well.
3: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, he he thankfully he had not dressed up as Michael Jackson because that would have been truly awful. But, but he the music had.
0: Compels him to do
3: that. Well, somebody <laughs> else should have compelled him not to, because. <laughs> um,
0: it was like, and
3: seriously, because the the venue is so small, right? So this guy, he's like right in front of my face. It's like his like knees are in my eyes. So he's just all over the place. And it was so distracting, and he really, you just wanted to say, "Dude, calm down." Um, so he, you know, I mean, he's a good singer. He was in he was in a, a boy band in the '90s, apparently in England called. Chaos something. Hang on. Ultimate Chaos with a K. And um, he, you know, he's an all right vocalist, but the, yeah, the, the impersonation thing was just like way too much, and really he could have done with just um, uh, calming it down and singing the songs normally. Uh, so then after we get that straight run of um, Jackson 5, Michael Jackson, and Jackson's material, we get a straight run of Tito's solo material, and uh, basically, I'm pleased to report it's all sounding pretty good. Um, you know, he I saw him in 2009 by pure accident because I'd booked tickets to see Gladys Knight at Wembley Arena, and then after I booked the tickets, it was announced that Tito Jackson would be the uh, opening act. And at that time, he was performing uh, with a different band, which was called the Bowler Band, because he always wears a bowler hat. He he called his band the Bowler Band and he called his backup singers the Bowler Babes. <laughs> and he was, uh, he was playing all this blues stuff then, and he's, he's a good blues guitarist, you know. And, um, and as I say, on Heartbreak Hotel, he, he busted that solo out without any uh, difficulty when we saw him last week. And um, he was kind of... The, the stuff he was playing on uh, last Friday was slightly less bluesy, I would say, uh, for the most part, than the stuff he was playing at Wembley in 2009. We Made It is a bit more poppy um, than the stuff he was playing. He he was playing some real kind of gut-bucket blues stuff in 2009. He had a song, it was called something like A Dog Is Still A Dog. It was a, it was, lyrically, it was a very peculiar song, but it was a real kind of funky blues number. I was hoping he'd play that, and he didn't. But some of the titles of the tracks that he played, I Gotta Play, T-Bone, Home Is Where The Heart Is, So Far So Good, On My Way Home To You, Jammer Street, We Made It, and also he played a really great song called Get It Baby. I don't know how that would sound on record, but live it was just awesome. It was like a call-and-response uh, funky blues number. Um And it all seemed to go down a treat. Overall, the set was pretty short. It was an hour. So we Mm -hmm. got about 25 minutes of this blonde girl at the beginning. I don't know who she was or what she was doing. And then um, we had Tito's band came out. And his backing singer came out and did like five or six Motown and Aretha Franklin era type songs. Um, I think her name was Diane Shaw. I would have to check that, but I'm pretty sure her name was Diane Shaw. Um, and she was very good. And then she basically walked over to the microphone to assume her position as backing singer and on walk Tito. Um, and then after we got that run of Tito's solo material, he closed off on Shake Your Body. Oh, great. And, yeah, I mean, basically the place was jumping. You know, it was, it was as I said, it's a small venue. It's about 500 capacity and it seemed to be pretty packed out. And the crowd was loving it, jumping all over the place, dancing, singing along. He got a fabulous reception. And I, I think this album, when, he, when it comes out, is going to be pretty interesting. I know that there was a song. It was either I Gotta Play or T-Bone. But he actually talks. The song is about... um his decision to pursue blues. And he says it's kind of done with a, a, in a tongue-in-cheek way, but he's talking about, you know, I'm going to do something that none of my brothers can do. You know, he's kind of, he's <laughs> kind of, uh, it's kind of funny, he's bragging and, and, and playing a little bit, but it's, um, it's going to be an interesting album. What I did find interesting, actually, was that We Made It, when you listen to We Made It on YouTube, it does sound very kind of glossy and poppy. In a, almost almost too clean. You know what I mean? It's like it's, it's a bit too... just a little bit too clean. Whereas when you hear it live, it's much, much better. So hopefully the kind of the rawness of that bluesy material that he was playing last Friday will come through on the record um, and hopefully won't have too much sheen on it that kind of uh, dilutes it in a way. Um, and I hope that he tours for the album as well and that, and that other countries get a chance to go and see him because um, he was really very good. He was very good. I, I mean, you know, I've been a bit um, uh, mean perhaps about the Thrill Alive guy. You know, he, he was not bad. He just he just was jumping around too much and, and doing too much of the old impersonation. Malarkey.
2: Yeah.
0: I, I, do love, I did love Thrill Alive as... I've said in the show, but for when I did see it, the direct impersonation aspects were my lowest points. I love the most of it. Yeah, the impersonated bits were not my cup of tea. But
1: also, I mean, like it sounds like this, this was clearly a Tito Jackson show and if this Thrill Alive guy was on stage doing all these extravagant dance moves, it may have been distracting and taking away from the focus on Tito. Oh, well, during
3: the solo material, uh, so they all came on for Tito's first two solo songs, I Gotta Play and T-Bone. Um, and then they did all the Jacksons and Jackson 5 and Michael stuff in a row. And then after they'd finished I'll Be There, they basically vacated the stage, Denise and Hayden. And Tito was just on stage on his own then for a run of about five or six solo songs culminating and we made it. And then mm. those two came back on for Shake Your Body. You know, I, the thing is, Michael's music and the Jackson's music is fantastic. And when you hear it played by a band, that in itself is very exciting. And, it, you know, it's just fantastic to hear it played live because it's fantastic music. You know, Heartbreak Hotel doesn't get better than being in the room where a big live band with proper horns is playing Heartbreak Hotel. And it kind of just ruins it a little bit when you've got a guy up front, kind of, you know, doing crotch grab and kicking his leg and pointing and and pulling Michael Jackson faces and stuff, it's like, because that at that point it it, it becomes slightly cheesy. See, yeah. It's better for me. It's much much better if they're if they're doing a tribute rather than an impersonation. Aside from the Jacksons shows the best Michael Jackson tribute live that I've ever seen was just this gig that I went to at the jazz cafe on what would have been his birthday in 2009 when they had the house band at the jazz cafe and just this roster of different vocalists who were all coming on and off and singing his songs. They were kind of changing the songs up a bit. So they had uh, a lady called Kim Mazel came on and they played uh, the way you make me feel as a reggae song um, and they had all this different stuff going on. They had a rapper come on and do Billie Jean, and it, it was a real celebration of the music, but with zero impersonation. Because just the second you get somebody trying to impersonate Michael Jackson, it falls flat because nobody can do it. Nobody can do it. They always fall into this trap of um, they overcomplicate it, you know. So they, they're kind of whereas Michael Jackson would pace himself. As a dancer, the impersonators, are, they're just mile a minute. They're just doing a move and, move and then another move and then another move and then another move. And they just like they go way over the top. And that's what this guy was doing at the Tito gig. And, yeah, it
1: just became a little bit distracting is all. Mm.
3: You know, he, it would have been great if he just calmed
1: down a bit. But it sounds like the music itself was really good. Uh, we've been we've been talking to a guy on uh, Twitter, uh, Simon Goulding, who is actually the bass player at the show you're talking about. And uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, he's not available today. Um, but hopefully, pretty soon we might be able to get together with him and, and record a discussion around the music itself. Uh, but yeah, it, it does sound like a really it was a really great show. Um, a question I had for you is, uh, you know, one of, one of my favorite Tito Jackson songs is that single from 2011, We Made It. But like you kind of said, when you listen to the, uh, the single version of that on iTunes or YouTube or wherever, it does sound pretty polished, even to the point of the vocals are, in my opinion, quite auto-tuned. They're fairly heavily auto-tuned. Mm-hmm. And I, I was concerned that at the show that you'd be getting a similar vocal experience. Was it like that or was it more organic and, and live?
3: No, totally organic and live at the show. this That's what I mean. It's kind of, you know, it's, it, this happens. all. The, I mean, I love live music. I'm constantly out at gigs. And um, the records almost never sound as good. You know, there's an old adage that, like, if your favorite act doesn't sound better live than they do on the radio, then there's no point in liking them kind of thing, you know, because it should be more exciting and visceral and raw when you see them live. But, yeah, that... that Track we made it. It's when you listen to the the studio cut. You're right. It's it's so kind of um, uh, clean and uh, shiny and processed, you know. And when you hear it live, it's just so much better. When you hear that thumping bass and you can feel the air, you know, pulsing out of the drum every time they hit it. I, I did take a video actually. I, I don't know if I'll be able to get it on YouTube. I can try of um, of him recording that song. It's the only video I did that night, just because I know somebody that likes the song and I wanted to play it to them. And um, no, it was much, much rawer. And, is that even a word? It was much more raw and um, funky and gritty than you would expect if you'd heard the studio cut of We Made It. And Tito's vocals are not bad at all. I don't know why he's auto tuned himself
1: yeah it it really distracted it was really distracting. I just you know because he is such a a player that puts a lot of emphasis on you know things like um blues and that organic sound the the contrast for me was very very distracting hearing this incredibly processed and autotuned voice. It sounded like something you'd hear on a will I am sort of album and i and when I listen to Tito, I want to hear that organic live sort of sound.
3: Yeah, I totally agree. I, I mean, he you know, we all know that Tito is not Michael. You know, he's not going to sing like Michael. He doesn't have that kind of uh, range. But, you know, he's a blues musician at heart, as he says. He said that on stage a couple of times, I think, including during some of his songs. And um, And, you know, blues is supposed to sound gritty and and earthy you know it's not supposed to sound processed and and there didn't appear to me to be any particular problem with his vocals on the solo material nothing that i was thinking oh you know well he'll need to auto tune that on the record quite the opposite i was thinking i hope that when the album comes out it sounds like this and not like we made it
1: yeah I hope so, too. But that's, that's awesome to hear that he was at, in really great form and, and that the show was excellent and everybody was enjoying it. Uh, you've just made me insanely jealous again, though, because I'm still yet to see a Jackson live, but hopefully it happens one day.
0: <laughs> Have we got yeah. much information when this album's coming out?
1: Well, before the
3: gig, you know, a few months before the gig, when I booked the tickets, there was something online which said it was coming out in June, which, of course, has not happened. Uh, and he just said, when he was on stage, he said, you're going to be getting some music from me later this year, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, but of course, a few years ago, when Tito was involved with um, Jody Gomez on a professional level, I don't remember if she was his manager or something else, there was this whole thing, you know, they were doing a countdown on Twitter to the launch of Tito's solo album, this would have been two or three years ago, and they were going 10 days to go, nine days to go, eight days to go, and they got all the way down to two days to go, and then they just never mentioned it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, no. Uh, yeah, so, you know, apparently this, this, T, uh, this Tito solo album has been in the works on and off for about 30 years. You know, it's always supposedly working on this album, but it never comes out. But I I really hope it does, because he has an album's worth of songs. I mean, he played, I would say he played probably eight new songs. I've got the set list in front of me. He did, I Gotta Play, T-Bone, Home Is Where The Heart Is, So Far So Good, Get It Baby, On My Way Home To You, Jammer Street, We Made It. So that's eight songs there. And we know that he has at least one other one, which is called something about a dog a dog is still a dog and there was another song which was on the set list that he didn't play called she's got to go so that's 10 songs um so he's got an album's worth of songs there so i just don't know what the hold up is with the release but i i hope it i hope it comes out swiftly because i'm looking Come on, forward to, tito, to it
0: get that album out tito we want to hear it we do <laughs> yeah we want to hear it we want to talk about it
1: be cool to get um some like more bluesy, rootsy kind of versions of some of the Jackson stuff. Maybe he could do a cover version of one of his band's own songs in a different kind of style too. Yeah, well, I mean,
3: uh, Heartbreak Hotel always sounds so much better live. You know, I mean, the, the album track is fantastic, although I'm not sure if it's ever been remastered. I think my version of the the CD album is is not a remastered version, so that's kind of tinny and quiet, But but live... That just like, you know, blows you away. the The bass on it. You mentioned the bassist from the. I don't know if that's Tito's regular band or if it's just a band that he brought in for the UK gig. It's definitely not the Bowler band that were performing with him in two thousand and nine. But they did a fantastic job, especially if they'd only been drafted in for that one night. They did a very very good job
1: yeah. last Friday. Great to hear. Well, Charles, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. Uh, today to give us an update on how the Tito Jackson concert went. Uh, we can't wait to hear from you again in, in future shows.
0: Yeah. Thanks oh, no? Charles. We really appreciate it.
3: No problem at all. And thank you very much for having me. That's all
1: right, mate. Go grab some Anytime. sleep.
0: we <laughs> Will do. That was cool. Thank you so much, Charles. That was great to hear from him about the show. New stuff. Jamin, we had a couple of new things this week. There was uh, some outtake footage from the the making of the short film, "The Way You Make Me Feel" from the Bad album. Of course, that was pretty cool. It was pretty funny. I know.
1: I was in hysterics. I how much more there is. I don't know. I reckon that'd be a fair bit because it seemed to me like to be kind of like improv, like.
0: Oh, yeah, very much so. This was not scripted.
1: No, like the, that old dude sitting there saying, like, it'd take a fire department to cool her down and, like, <laughs> all those kind of jokes. You can see in Michael's face, in my opinion, that he hadn't heard those jokes before. Because oh, yeah, it, it
0: seemed totally off the cuff. It was off the cuff.
1: It was unscripted. It looked improvised and it looked hilarious. And in my And in my opinion, that's funnier. Than anything else that's actually in the start of that short film, the final version. I'm, I thought, I reckon they should have put that in there.
0: This is a, this could be seen as a bit more risky, though. Like that was, you know, I don't know, a bit more innuendo or something.
1: Yeah, it was, especially because it was like, um, oh, what was it? He was like, he was like, check out that Mexic little Mexican girl over there, and then, <laughs> and then they start saying, um. Yeah, all about, like, it'd take a fire department to cool her down and she's going to need a raincoat if I get under her and all this. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> was, like,
0: he was not holding back. And Michael's face is just, yeah, <laughs> hilarious. He's like, what? He sort of looks off to the camera at one point, like, what? I don't... <laughs> <laughs> and he's trying to he's trying to match this old guy, like, um, and, you know, just to match his bravado. And yeah. that's when um Michael's like, as bad as you talking, you couldn't handle her yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it was it was really, really good. And for for um any listeners out there who may not have seen the full version of uh, The Way You Make Me Feel, right at the very start of that video there's a whole section that where it's just these kind of gangster guys hanging out on the street, um, kind of taunting different women that are walking past, trying to get their attention. And uh, the whole story is that Michael comes along and he's somehow Related, I think, to one of the older guys in this crowd, and uh, the older guy, I think, in, in the in the in the movie, must be his dad or something. is saying things like, "Go home, you know, you don't have to be hanging around these guys. Go home." And then Michael really wants to gain the attention of this girl, and and of course, that's when he starts doing his uh, when this girl walks past, he um he starts doing all his dance moves and singing, and and then wins are over, which is what none of these other guys can do. And so in this in this um, outtake, it's actually. Another girl walks past that's not even in the original um, video and it's a kind of a conversation between Michael and, and this comedian guy sitting down kind of talking about her. So it's, it's quite funny. I fun. always
0: took it as it was just like the, the community. I didn't think it was ever like a relative. I always just thought it was like him and his mates hanging out and like just in the old, like in that part of town, there was like, you know, old people that have lived yeah, there for ages yeah. and everyone knows each other and everyone's friends and this old guy's... You know, he would have been one of those guys when he was younger. Yeah, and he still lives in that neighbourhood, and he's seen it all before.
1: No, it's it's really good. It's very clever, and the 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 kind of vibe and the relationships between the people in the short film, I love it. Especially that the guy who's yelling at all the other younger guys, and he's like. Uh, you don't know about women, you don't have that kind of knowledge.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the extended version of the film clip is awesome, and yeah, you should have seen that if you're a fan.
1: Absolutely. I hope it comes out one day in in really good quality in high definition because I tell you what, that short film out of any of Michael's is the worst quality on the DVDs out of any of the others. I don't know why, but it's grainy and really, really terrible to look at. But when you compare it to some of the footage in Bad 25 of that same video, man, they've got some footage in Bad 25 that looks stunning, looks incredible. It looks like original film of that, that shoot. I hope they can find that one day and put it out as a, as a um, HD version of the video.
0: There was also some um, other footage that came out this week. Did you get to see oh, that? Oh, yeah, there the, was the a...
1: Triumph stuff.
0: Yeah, so Michael performing Ben, and she's out of my life uh, while on the Triumph tour and those incredible glittery silver pants and oh. the red, the red <laughs> what's it, like a Hawaiian shirt or something
1: yeah it looks like that's like a collared shirt but um yeah the, the pants are pretty pretty out there I like them I reckon they look awesome
0: yeah they not not many people can pull those sort of pants off and you know that was awesome to see like you know Michael's in his 20s no late teens
1: I think it would have been. 20s. No, yeah, early, very early 20s. Early 20s, I think. Yeah, so very
0: he's young. 20 or 21. Oh, it was like just that. seeing him so relaxed and free. And, you know, back then it was just so simple. Everything was so simple back then, really. Yeah. It was just him on stage, like a pretty simple stage, and him just singing. And he was, you know, sit on the edge of the stage and hang off the edge of the stage with his legs. Like, you know, sort of, you can probably almost reach out and give high fives to the girls in the front row.
1: Yeah, it looked very, um, you know, organic and and really interesting and and just a bit more low-key than some of the big stuff we were seeing in the Dangerous in History tour. Um, But you know what? The energy is there. Like, the crowd are going crazy. They're hanging on every note. uh, Every time he does something different on stage, whether it's a different dance move or a different musical note, the crowd just responds by going crazy. Uh, It's awesome to watch, and I think... You know, in some ways, even though the History World Tour um, was a giant spectacle and there's tanks on stage and all this kind of crazy insanity happening on stage, like a giant circus, as Michael describes it. It's those earlier shows, like the Triumph and Victory Tours. Well, they're not really earlier. I guess they're kind of in the middle of his live career. But it's yeah. those, those shows, to me, are some of my favorites because all the singing's live, everything is happening it's, it's not, it's not as like, um, how do I explain it? Like organized, it's not as rehearsed and organized. It's like there's things happening on stage that might be different from show to show. And man, it's just so exciting to watch how naturally he is as a performer in that time.
0: Well, watching these early, early shows from or like, yeah, the middle of his career, you sort of see the evolution of what everyone knows as Michael Jackson. Now, like, you know, from, the early, early days as a child in the J5 and then doing this as the Jacksons, you can really see the evolution, how the seeds were sown early on and then just how they started to to learn and mature and to grow. And, um, yeah, you can see elements – of what we all know as Michael Jackson from the, the end of his sort of career yeah. in this.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, the way he just moves and holds the mic and reacts and stuff yes. like that. That's, you can see that all there, and the talent is just always there. It's Absolutely. just, yeah, I, I love seeing this early stuff to see that evolution. And yeah, it's cool. Everyone should sort of appreciate where he came from and the talent that he's always had.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, and there's, it's it's clearly an earlier show. I mean, there's there's not even a wireless microphone. There's like it's a wired microphone. So he's dancing and spinning around on stage, but every step he takes, he has to kind of like manipulate the the wire on the microphone so it doesn't get caught under him. And I think he so, sort of
0: whip whips it at one moment to whip it across away from him across the stage. That was yeah, pretty
1: cool. yeah. There's some great stuff going on, and of course the vocals are just so powerful. Um, definitely recommend anybody out there who's interested in seeing new Michael Jackson footage especially from that triumph tour to follow our show notes and check that out for sure. Really really cool. So some other news happened as well in the last few weeks. Um, it's a little bit sad this one but this is happened actually happened a few few weeks ago on the 9th of July. But one of Michael's close friends, uh, a fashion designer, the Ed Hardy fashion designer Christian Audigier, unfortunately passed away at the um, the age of fifty seven. Uh, he died of a uh, kind of a, a bone cancer. I don't know how to pronounce it. I think it's myelodysplastic syndrome, and yeah, uh, it's very very sad end to a to a. Um, a very triumphant kind of career and life for Christian Audigé. But the, um, part of the reason that well, we're talking about it on the show is because he actually was a very important part of Michael's life as well And at the end of michael 's life in when you know he was probably about forty forty nine forty eight to fifty years old, uh, these two became really close friends and uh, even started talking about doing things like a fashion line together. Uh, they were going to work on a, a Michael Jackson fashion line that was going to come out i 'm pretty um,
0: sure that thing is sitting in sheds ready to go yeah we saw photos of those clothes, the umbrellas, the hats, all of that stuff was actually ready to go. I'm not sure why it never happened.
1: I don't know, but they did. this was a big part of Michael's comeback. Like, you know, it wasn't just going to be the This Is It tour. There was going to be an, an album with that, obviously, and and this fashion line was going to come out with it that he was working with Christian Audigé on. And, man, it would have been amazing. I, I hope someday maybe in tribute and honor for these two great um, heroes of their industries that this fashion line can come out uh, in some way. I'm not sure if it ever will. Um, but he was also involved with the This Is It tour preparations. He was talking about, you know, the different clothing Michael could wear on the tour. And I, myself, like, I don't know about you, Q, but that's how I found out, really, that the tour... Like, I knew that Michael was working on a comeback and a tour and that kind of stuff before he announced it. But the way that I found out Michael was on his way to do the announcement was through Christian ortega he actually yeah. he leaked that information out in a paparazzi, like a press interview, just yep. walking on the street somewhere. And the, um, the interviewer was like, hey, what's going on with Michael Jackson? And he's, he's like, well, he's on his way to London right now to announce his tour. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, you got to be joking. That's not true. You're just making something up for some kind of, you know, <laughs> I don't know, some reason. But, you know, lo and behold, a couple of days later, we start getting the news broken, you know, uh, that Michael was actually announcing this is it. It happened.
0: Mm. Like I remember the, the clothing line that um, Christian worked on, like Von Dutch and Ed Hardy, I guess in some parts it sort of was so over the top and well received that, you know, the, the image of it wasn't always the best. But mm. the Michael stuff that I saw it had sequins and colors and really some great designs that there were some really cool pieces that I would love to have um, been able to purchase.
1: Definitely. We'll see if we can track down some of those um, images and maybe put them in the show notes as well.
0: Yeah, that would be cool.
1: Cool. Yeah, so um, on to a bit of other news. Amer- the American Federation of Musicians is actually suing Sony Music.
0: That's like a union, isn't it, representing artists?
1: Yeah, I think so. It's actually a uh, a union uh, that has, has come together to actually represent a wide variety of artists. Against Sony Music, and in in, in you know specifically, uh, the "This Is It" documentary, if you could call it that, that came out in two thousand and nine. And what the uh, what the union have done is they've actually they're actually alleging that the artists who contributed to the film's music uh, thought they were doing it for a, for like a musical soundtrack rather than what eventuated in becoming a film score. And it's really interesting because. Uh, I guess this union, they're representing a group of artists who contributed to this music. And the music that was recorded for the This Is It film wasn't, as far as I know, done in like a studio setting just prior to the movie coming out. It was not It's not that kind of situation. A lot of the music that was recorded that ended up going into the movie, uh, things like demo tracks and different tracks that Michael worked on throughout his career on particular songs... That were included in the film to give the um, experience that Michael was doing those songs kind of in a slightly different way live in the rehearsals. Uh, an example of that is the Earth Song performance, which we know in the in the movie is actually based on the demo for Earth Song, and they've taken the vocals and some of the music out of that and they've put it in the film to give the viewer the experience that Michael was doing it in a fresh way. Uh, in that in that movie, and that's not just the case with Earth Song, but there's bits and pieces from lots and lots of different Michael Jackson recordings in that film that were not being done live there and then for rehearsals. And I'm not criticising you know the people who did the film in that way at all because I feel like the idea of the movie was to give us as fans the experience of those rehearsals. And the best way to kind of do that was to get different vocal takes and different musical takes from other time periods to fill it in where Michael might have been just miming and things like that. So I understand why it was done. The issue here is that this union is representing a group of artists. I don't know who they are, but the artists are saying, we were involved in these particular recording sessions that ended up being used in the film. And when we were doing those recording sessions, we felt that they were maybe at some some point going to end up on a record. But what's happened is that those recordings have been taken, our work's been taken, it's been put into this movie, and we haven't seen any financial profit ourselves from that process. Uh, and so Sony, uh, uh, inv- uh, yeah, basically being, being sued by this... Um, by the uh, AFM, and the president, Ray Hare, has actually come out and said, I'll just quote him here, he says, A fan may wonder what difference it makes if musicians record music under one contract versus another, but it makes a huge difference to musicians trying to earn a living. Musicians have joined together to create industry standards, and it is simply unacceptable for greedy corporations to knowingly violate those standards by denying
0: residuals.
1: So a very interesting situation. What are your thoughts on it, Q? Q?
0: Um, I think the whole sort of royalty thing is so far more complicated than we have any idea for. I think we've sort of seen a little bit of it lately with um, all the new uh, the new music streaming services being launched and how artists are paid or how little they are paid for that. Um, and I think most people don't realise the complexity of the royalties and, and really like, you know, you buy a CD or whatever, you you. Pay that, and people get the royalties. Yeah. But it's from other when, yeah, different things like movie soundtracks are different. Streaming is different. To then this is how the artists, you know, earn their money. This is this is how they make a living. So I'm, you know, what well, it's hard not to sort of, you know, oh, Sony did this, Sony did that, but the industry is so dirty and doesn't respect artists generally. Um, And even with the Sony hack, we saw things come out that showed how Sony treats their artists and pays people and stuff. So I'm not going to say that they've done it on purpose, but you know what, if the allegation's there, it'll go hopefully go to some sort of tribunal and they'll figure it out and hopefully the artists get appropriately compensated.
1: Yeah, it's certainly not surprising to me because if you look at the whole This Is It era, I mean, the song This Is It uh, is actually originally titled I Never Heard, but This Is It, the Paul Anker and Michael Jackson collaboration. That came out originally on the This Is It soundtrack and was also used in the end credits of the film. And as you might remember, the, I'm um, sorry, Paul Anker actually sued Sony because he wasn't given any royalties or, you know, for that particular song being used.
0: Yeah. And that seemed like such an obvious thing.
1: Yeah. So if they were, if Sony Music was doing that with Paul Anker, if they were trying to use his material without, you know, compensating him, then what are they doing to these little artists that might've been involved in studio sessions that were, you know, playing drums or doing, you know, different instrumentation?
0: And in the end, it is these artists and those people that create these records that are the record company. It is not the accountant sitting in the back room that are the company. It is the art and the artists. So That's they right. should be looked after and their work should be respected. So
1: Michael said that himself. He said, without the artists, the company is just hardware.
0: Ex- yeah, exactly. There you go.
1: And yeah, it's just, it, you really, once you look at it in that way, it's really, you can kind of put yourself in the artist's shoes because can you imagine how hard it would be? And I'm not talking about being of the level of Michael Jackson or Paul you know, Paul Anker or someone like that who's, who's had a lot of success in the industry. But imagine being a small-time artist who mainly is like a studio musician who won't play live or, or go in music videos or anything like that. You just go and play in, in the studio for an artist's album. Imagine being somebody like that and then challenging Sony Music. I mean, you're going to be really worried about if you're going to receive any more work in the future, I guess. Mm, very so, much so. Yeah, they in are in a very precarious position, I think, some of these artists. So it's I think great, it's I think.
0: Good that, that there's like a union that sort of is out there to help these artists t- t- to accomplish what they have to to get their money.
1: Absolutely. So we'll see where this one goes, but it's just another small story in the very larger picture. Of Sony Music, uh, you know, doing things that uh, could be uh, quite questionable or just, you know, considered quite mm-hmm. questionable. So we'll see where it goes.
0: We will keep an eye on that, see how it progresses. So before we go to an ad break, do you want to talk about the uh, the new book that Tavis Smiley is uh, has spoken about with Chris Tucker on his show and? Uh, what that would be about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, just about four or five days ago, I saw a YouTube video come up with Tavis Smiley and uh, Chris Tucker having a conversation on Tavis's show. And I clicked on the link thinking it's going to be Chris Tucker telling some great jokes and stories about you know his time with Michael. I love watching Chris talk about that. But it ended up becoming, um, well, I mean, there was a lot of that in there, but there was also a conversation around Tavis writing a book. And I was really surprised because, I mean, I haven't, experienced a lot of Tavis Smiley before, but I knew he was like a talk show host. I had no idea he's an author. Turns out he's written 18 or 19 books. And his newest book, uh, which is uh, coming out... Well, in the interview, he said it's coming out in June. But I don't know. It can't be this year because June's gone. So he must be talking about 2016. But um, the book is itself is called Before You Judge Me, The Tragedy and Triumph of Michael Jackson's Last Days. And man does it sound like an interesting book if you if you're if you're listening out there and you've heard some of our previous episodes you definitely would have heard me talking about the need for a book which chronicles the last portion of Michael's life in detail drawing together the information from those two trials that happened Conrad Murray's criminal trial and also the wrongful death suit brought by um Catherine Jackson and Michael's children against AEG Live. Uh, And it sounds like this is what Tavis is doing. He's talking about actually creating a book or writing a book in conjunction with another author uh, that chronicles those last uh, weeks of Michael's life, the last 16 weeks, and what actually happened within that time period that took Michael from being a star on top of the world, ready to do the biggest comeback that the world will have ever seen, to being dead.
0: Um, I'd never heard of Tavis Smiley, so but you told me a bit about him, and I think um, something very interesting is he's on like a, a PBS. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So that's not one of the big, big networks where you know there's often political agenda behind everything, and they have to present things in certain light. So he seems a bit more independent, perhaps. Definitely more
1: balanced, because as far more as I balanced, know, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like in Australia. You know how we have ABC. Yeah, that's like what PBS is in America. I don't know if it's commercial. I don't think it...
0: Like, I Because it's the public broadcasting service. Yeah, that's right. PBS. So I think
1: a large portion of it is kind of like either government funded, but I know it's not aligned necessarily with commercial
0: interest. So that could be a positive thing. Um, he obviously wasn't there personally for this uh, time and events in Michael's life. He wasn't in Michael's life as far as I know. I'll be interested to know who the other co-author is or the other person he's working with. Hopefully it is someone that is not a bullshit artist, but <laughs> bluntly like, you know, I don't want some dodgy ass. There's a, there's a lot of authors out there that write about Michael and not many of them are good people. And mm. a lot of them are doing it for money and for their own name. And I hope some of those people have not got to Tavis saying, Oh, I'm really good. And Paul de Martin Bashir to yeah. then, you know, make a, a crappy, tell all rubbishy trash book. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully his balanced approach and um honesty will will come through in some hard-hitting investigation maybe. So
1: yeah, I mean there's so many unanswered questions isn't there like uh you know the big the big questions are things like where were the security tapes from you know Michael's house that were there, you know that went missing. That had footage from the you know days before he passed away like that footage is missing where is that like there's really big questions out there that if answered will solve some of these mysteries and if tavis is attacking some of those big questions and giving answers to them through doing great research and fact checking and talking to people then awesome bring it on it's going to be incredible but if he's just recounting stuff we already know then I'm not sure. I think it'll still be good because that needs to be done. But my concern is that he's going to put out a book. I mean, he's written 19 other books. So, I mean, how much time does he spend on each one? Like, is he Is he rushing something out that's going to be stuff that's already in the public eye? And then is that, you know, I want something thorough to be done where somebody spends years researching this and uncovering the truth and putting forward the full story. I think yeah. I, I think the closest we've actually got to that, honestly, and I know this is a very problematic book with a lot of issues in it, but Randall Sullivan's book, like, there's stuff in there that's not true, like absolutely, because there's some things that, in my opinion, weren't fact-checked properly. But on the whole, that story, that book, does an incredible job of telling the story of of why Michael passed away and how he passed away. And I hope that Tavis kind of aims for something as deep as that, but we'll see.
0: But more accurate
1: More accurate, absolutely
0: Yeah, cool So yeah, we'll keep an eye on that And if we think it is worth bringing attention to again We will do so
1: Absolutely I think it's time for an ad break
0: Yeah, so after the break we'll, uh, We're going to talk about A blankets.
2: His feet got the beat He's cool and he's neat It's Michael Yeah, Michael Dancing on air This dog can't compare it to Michael So bright, then this village Jean a beat it looking just right. and three of the outfits they're all on of sight. Looks so much like Michael from head
0: toe. Put the mic in his hand and he'll steal a
2: show. I love you, Michael Jackson. Michael
0: Jackson doll. New from LJN. You got one of those dolls, Jamin?
1: Not yet. Hope to get one one day, though.
0: My dear friend um Tim in the United States, he gave me one, actually. I think that was the first time we met actually um no second because the first time we met it was in new york the second time we actually went to visit him in indianapolis in oh, indiana yeah. um and he gave me a gift of one of the dolls and i had to somehow gingerly pack this because <laughs> it was still in the box um he goes yeah you can see him at garage sales over there a lot so wow. yeah he gave me this awesome doll and i had to that one of the 80s original ones and um bring it home the box got a little bit damaged on the way home but Yeah, that's one of the ones I've got up on top of my uh, library shelves. So yeah, so I said we're going to talk about a blanket. We're not talking about um, Prince Michael Jackson Jr., the the (laughs) youngest of Michael's kids. We're going to be talking about an actual quilt. So we've been um, seeing a couple of these pop up on our our feed on Twitter from Sandra from um, at... S-F-A-I-K-U-S. So uh, Sandy Land on Twitter is, um been just including us in these little updates of her Michael Jackson story quilt. And I, I've been wanting to sort of mention it a little bit, just trying to find a place to talk about everything in the show, sometimes a battle, because we have full show notes and then all new things happen and we have to drop things. And But I wanted to talk about this because it's an incredible project that she's working on. And we'll put the links in the show notes to to her site of the Michael Jackson story quilt, but she she uses images of um, so she, okay she makes quilts in the old school form of quilting, which is a very labour intensive process to to make these story quilts, and lots of different elements are, are stitched together, and f- even f- small photographic pieces for the face. Um, of the of the what she's displaying and she makes these incredible quilts and she, there's a lot of quilt topics that they cover like solo album covers top 40 songs j5 and the Jacksons um, short films like the the music video clips tours and special shows and um, things like that so there's a lot that she it's not just one quilt she does quite a number of quilts like on the uh, the king of pop um quilt that I'm looking at a picture of here, there's like all the pictures um, of album covers, including history and blood on the dance floor, um, music and me from back when he, he's one of his very first solo albums off the wall. And these look like photos, but these are even the dangerous album cover. She Mm. has hand stitched incredible detail into these pieces, like absolute incredible amazing detail that she's hand stitched and the ones um, with the top 40 singles uh, that has like I guess single covers and iconic images from uh, the songs and performances he may have done with them like the uh, Billie Jean Motown 25 like then the, the Rock With You sparkly suit. So she would have to look at the photo and then layer Okay, he's wearing a blue vest in this with a blue hat, and he's sitting behind. He's sitting, and behind him is like green plants and stuff. His hair's like this. So she has to then sort of work backwards and stitch all of these elements in, and then get a photo and work that into his face. And then the hair goes over the top. And it's amazing. You've had a chance to look at some of the pictures?
1: I have, and I'm looking at them right now, and it's just. Um, if you look at these photos of her quilts on her website, which we'll put in the show notes, you will be astounded. There are ones there. Probably my favorite one, I'd say, would have to be the one. Um, it's called, this. it says on the side, it says the second quilt. Oh, sorry. It's MJ's top 40 singles.
0: Yeah, that one's so and impressive.
1: It's incredible. Like, she's actually got, like, all the single, not the album covers, but the covers of single releases. And she's put all of them across this quilt, but they, like when you look at the individual images of the single covers, right, they're not like, they don't look identical to what you would have seen on the single cover. Sometimes different colors are used and there's like different interpretations of the single covers. Uh, So...
0: Some of them are pretty exact, like the Say 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 picture with Paul McCartney McCartney standing next to... uh, Oh, is that Say 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 or is that... um, The Girl Is Mine. The Girl Is Mine, that's what it is. It is too, it is. It's The Girl Is Mine, yeah. Yeah. Um, But it's just like... These are one-of-a-kind pieces for sure.
1: Yeah, they're very, very beautiful and like, like...
0: hand stitch, like the detail, the shirts with the flowers on them, the – hello, back in the 70s and the 60s, those pants the J5 were wearing were made up of some crazy detail and colors and patterns. And she's managed to recreate that in tiny little squares on the quilt.
1: How nice is the 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 colors in the Jackson 5 one at the bottom of her site.
0: So yeah, she's working on the the one she's working on at the moment is Jackson 5 Jackson's quilt and the quilt will include hit songs from um albums, films and TV appearances, even the cartoons and TV commercials. So I wonder if they'll do the uh was it the um Alphabits. They did some ads for Alphabets yeah. serial. I Wonder if that'll yeah. be in there. So um yeah, that one will be a gorgeous one to see. Uh, so, but the the quilts are not for sale. Of course, that they're, they're, she hopes to display them at fan events while she continues to work on them, and maybe when they're done, hoping to donate them to, oh, we wish uh, MJ Theme Museum or a charity for display or to auction for a charity to raise fu- to raise funds.
1: Yeah, very very impressive, incredible. And
0: so I was happy to talk about that today because yeah, beautiful work. And I
1: recommend as well to anybody that wants to learn about the process behind this quilting to go to her website. We're going to put that in the show notes because there's a lot of text and information on there also about the history of quilting in the world and um, it being kind of like a, a tradition that's deeply uh, you know, incorporated into African-American culture. So uh, it's very interesting to learn about the history of the art form as well as the projects that are being done now.
0: Because a lot of people still do that, like um at our royal shows and stuff, there'd be exhibits of uh, people that still are creating quilts and things like that. It's it's not like I wouldn't think a lot of young people do it. So it hopefully is not a dying art form, but there are some people that still, you know, create these pieces of art.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Stunning, stunning pieces of work. So definitely jump on that website, have a look at what... Uh, Sandra's creating and let's support it as a fan community together because she's doing an amazing job.
0: So last night, Janet Jackson dropped her new video clip for No Sleep on her upcoming album.
1: And I'm kind of glad it happened when it... Like, How should I say it? I'm kind of glad that our recording didn't work when it did because... It was all happening right when we were trying to record last night, so I'm glad yes. we're recording a day later so we've had a chance to watch it and process it.
0: Yeah, when, I um, could, when we couldn't do recording and then I, I got off and I went and watched the video straight after because I was like, well, I hadn't seen it yet so we couldn't talk about <laughs> it in the show. But then, yeah, I watched it last night. What do you think? It was a really
1: special experience being able to watch it because this is the new Janet, the, the first Janet Jackson song or video, sorry, to come out in a really long time and I loved it. I thought it was incredible. Uh, the vibe of the video itself suited the style of the song so well for me, like the rain on the windows the yes. the just the atmosphere of it you know it's it felt so film noir, just like the way the camera was moving through the house, the dark kind of atmosphere of it, the sultry sort of expression on her face, and just the the whole mood that was created by her performance in the video matched the song beautifully. Uh, I, I just thought it was slow and sensuous and incredible. It's a total slow jam of the song. The video, just as I said, matched it. Uh, what I found interesting and, and like out of all the moments in the video, and there was some really cool visual effects and stuff happening throughout it. But the moment that stood out to me the most as something really unique was when she was sitting somewhere in, in this house and then there was like a projector on the ceiling and it projects an image of her and her father when she oh, was young. Oh, that picture on the wall. of um,
0: little toddler Janet and Joe on yeah, the wall. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like that took me by surprise, and it took me like it really did take me a few hours to adjust. <laughs> like because when I first saw it, I was like, "What? Why is this song's so sensuous?" And you know, it's to me like it had a lot of um, I don't know how to say it, but like sexual kind of undertones to the song. It was very like you know, like a slow jam Marvin Gaye sort of song. And then, you know, I could imagine that her performance in the video, maybe she was thinking about a, a lover or something like that. And then suddenly like Joseph Jackson's on the wall. And it was like, it took me a few moments to to actually adjust to that. And then I started thinking about it later. And I was like, you know what, that's that was really fitting because it's her reflecting on her on her childhood, on her past and what's important to her and what's precious to her and central, you know, to her life, you know, being a Jackson. And uh, her relationship with her dad is something that is a very deep part of her book as well. So, yeah, I think it was very reflective, um, the song in the end as well. So it was beautiful. I think the cinematography was amazing. The framing of what was happening in the video, the camera work. Uh, She looked great. Uh, Yeah, I just thought it was an all-round excellent, very strong, mature video that's going to stand the test of time. What did you think?
0: Oh wow, that was a cool description at the end when you said it was like a strong, mature video. I think, yeah, that it is. It's so true. It really is. It is a mature video. I loved it. I thought it was perfect for the song. I think the rapper. I don't know, yes or no. I could do without the rapper, but it's there and it's. I guess it suits it because that's not on the uh, single version. I don't think no. the rap. first. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, I loved this. Like the cinematography, I loved the camera movement and how it would sort of pan across the, the beautiful furnishings and the beautiful uh, house. And Janet would be there and then it would just pan to the side of Janet and then she would be walking up the hallway. Like it was almost like it was going to be one long take, but then it wasn't. And it was really well cleverly done. Um, The colours of it, like just the the tints and the colours, I think, that that made Mm. such a good atmosphere. Um, To me, it was very dreamlike. Yes. And that was sort of why the Joe and Janet pick up on the wall sort of, um, yeah, it stood out. But there were a few other things that stood out, like when the rapper was inside and then he was outside and she was looking at him through the window, through the rain. So it was few elements like that were very dreamlike as if you're half asleep and you're not fully aware of everything. And is that really happening or is it not really happening? So, but I think, yeah, it was a really perfect match for the slow jam of the, the, like, you know, warm summer night, maybe in the rain kind of music. And yes, yeah, it has got that, um, wait, what was that other song that you said it sounds like?
1: That's the way love goes.
0: Yeah, that's it. I was going to say the way you make me feel, but no, that's not even her. Yeah. So, yeah, it really reminded me of that and just the atmosphere in the video. Um, but I love the colors of it and stuff. Mm. It was, And she looks so gorgeous. Oh, my God. She's seriously one of the most beautiful women ever love it. I can't wait to see more. Like I'm I'm sure there'll be some dancey stuff on the album and we'll see some more dancey Janet and Cory and stuff, but this was good. This did not disappoint me at all. This song is beautiful and I love the video. So that was so exciting. It just sort of came out of nowhere too. This video, bam, there it is. Here's a video. And there's
1: another great um video clip getting around at the moment that I saw uh, just a few hours ago. It's actually kind of behind the scenes of the no sleep video. It's not really a making of, but it's a compilation of video footage of her on the set, getting makeup done all kind of like interacting with the director and just oh, like,
0: you need to send that to me please. Cause I haven't seen that.
1: Yeah. I'll send that to you. We'll put it in the show notes, but it's, there's no, there's none of her talking or anything in it. It's just a lot of behind the scenes, sort of somebody filming the, the, the process of creating the music video. So very, very special. Um, you know, the song has had a little bit of a mixed, uh, reaction. It hasn't charted so well. And there's some, you know, a lot of people out there kind of saying, well, You know, the song is a little bit slow for a first single, but I think it's important to realize that, you know, what she's doing is she's following her artistic um, direction. She's following her heart. This is a song that she obviously wanted to record. And, you know, what you've got to ask yourself is, does it work? Is it effective as a slow jam? And absolutely it is. It's incredible. It's one one of the best slow jams I've heard in years. It's It's great. Um, Is a slow jam ever going to reach number one on the charts? You know, probably not. They don't really reach the the heights that other, you know, dance-driven songs do very often. But I think it's a bold, mature statement for her to make. Great, great song. And I can't wait to hear what comes next.
0: Coming up in um, August on the weekend, oh, the week of, uh, yeah, weekend of August 21, 22, Catherine Jackson is um, hosting the sixth annual I just can't stop loving you. Charity weekend,
1: awesome news, isn't it? Like so, so special that it's happening. I saw TJ Jackson actually put out a a um a Facebook post yesterday, saying you know just alerting fans to the fact that this was happening and and how proud he is of you know of Catherine doing this for the family. So,
0: so uh, yeah, as of this weekend, it's like twenty five days away. But yeah, it's I, I think yeah TJ was tweeting how proud he is that it's been such a success mm. and it's gotten bigger, bigger each year. So, the event is um, in Gary, Indiana. It's a two day charity event, 21st, 22nd of August, and it starts at 12 noon on each of the days. Uh, the opening ceremony on the 21st will be with the mayor and the governor of Indiana. There'll be a marching band and choir, and um, that's also when there'll be a start of a Michael Jackson dance contest, where first prize is five grand. Hello. Um, There's free concerts, there's the dance competition, a celebrity beauty bar, there'll be um, car show, arcade, basketball, free haircuts, face painting is also going to happen, local food gift vendors and things like that. So on the website, which is katherinejackson.org. Um, you can sign up for the dance contest and get other information. And it's Mrs. Jackson is giving back to the children of Gary, Indiana by sending them back to school with necessary uh, school supplies.
1: Yeah, it's really special. She's doing it in such a great way. Uh, what impresses me the most about this, as well, is is how she's incorporating a lot of things Michael would have loved. So, like amusement rides and just that whole kind of, I guess, amusement slash festival experience. And charity, yeah, charity. And charity. As
0: well,
1: yeah, it's incredible. I think it's going to be a great, great event. I've loved seeing the photos coming out of this event from the last, you know, six years of it happening. Uh, I really hope that I'm, I'm pretty sure Catherine's going right. Like.
0: I think oh, that's yeah, a, yeah, definitely. That's I would assumed. think so, for sure. And, and and I think she's she's trying to get a lot of other, you know, named people there to help as well. So hopefully that she's successful in that.
1: Yeah, it's going to be great. I hope this continues on as a tradition in Gary, Indiana, for years to come. It's great to remember uh, that town as a as the place where everything started for the Jackson family and uh, honouring the town, honouring the family. And, and I think it'll end up becoming... Um, a pilgrimage of sorts for fans around the world, if it continues.
0: Yeah, I would think so. Like, um, yeah, Gary's close to Chicago, so you know that's a big airport to get into and to go there. And it would hopefully be good for the the community as well. Like, I, I don't think it's a rich community at all by any means. So something like this hopefully would help. And you know, any any of those towns going through hard times, things like this you know, bring attention and, and to help the kids. are going back to school with what they need and stuff. So, yeah, if you can, I would urge you to support this. If you're going, uh, hit us up, send us an email, let us know what you experienced there. But, yeah, katherinejackson.org for the I Just Can't Stop Loving You charity weekend on August 21 and 22 in Gary, Indiana. We really hope it's a huge success and if we get any other information about it, we will talk about it and hopefully have a great update of how successful it is if um, they share all of that information.
1: I noticed um, I was looking on our website last night and uh, just some of the locations that visitors come from to, to access our website. And I noticed that Gary, Indiana is actually one of the biggest um, locations that people access our site from. For real, I'm not even joking. I was That's looking. That's so cool. I know, I know. It's really cool. Like I was, yeah. I was just Shout like...
0: out to Gary, listeners. That's <laughs> awesome. That's yeah, so
1: cool. definitely very exciting. I hope. I really want to go there one day and and check out that location and see the. We um...
0: drove through it once. We were not planning to at all. Uh, we were driving from Chicago to Indianapolis um, on holiday, um, and there was roadworks on the freeway. And I'm sorry, America, but your roadwork signage and your freeway signage is terrible. (laughs) And it was detouring us on these exit ramps to avoid some part of the freeway that was closed. And it detoured us right through Gary, like this really not great part of Gary, like in that it was very run down and almost looked abandoned. And the roads were not terrific, like they were really potholey and bumpy. And we were like, okay, well, now I've sort of been through Gary. We have to get to Indianapolis by this certain time, so we can't sort of stop and explore, which was a bit disappointing for Mm. me. Then the detour led us up to the way we were trying to get to but then it didn't and we ended up doing a loop and go, went through back the same way again because the <laughs> signage was so bad. Like go oh, it was just terrible signage and yeah, it took us like we had to pull over and get the sat nav system all like reconfigured to try and how do we get out of Gary to get to Indianapolis and it sort of gave us a bit of extra time that we didn't have up our sleeve mm-hmm. driving to Indianapolis. So I, I've sort of been through there, but I definitely haven't seen it. And yeah, I would, if I could go back and like see some of the, the sites, like, you know, Jackson Street and the house where they grew up and stuff. I was looking out for it out the window, but I didn't see it because it's near a school. The house used to back onto a school. So we didn't go past any school area.
1: How How big is it as like a town?
0: I don't think it's very big. I think it's a, it's a, probably used to be a lot bigger when it was um had its steel industry and everything like that, um, but I no I wouldn't think it's big. I think when people talk about those towns in America in Australia, I guess we could say suburbs. Yeah, our suburbs are so dense and spread out that they're almost little towns anyway.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's probably I maybe it's classed over there as like an uh, like a outer suburb of Chicago. I don't know. I mm.
1: hope I get to go there one day.
0: Yeah, hopefully. And, you know, I wish all the best to people at Gary, like wonderful people that have achieved a lot and, and been through a lot. So, yeah, you know, absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully, it's a town that can still, you know, prosper and, and yeah, they've lovely people. So, all the best. Thank you to our listeners over there. That's, I didn't know that. Thanks for sharing, Jamin.
1: No, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yesterday, we also had, in addition to the new Janet Jackson video coming out, we had another huge uh well, I won't call it a release, actually, because it's more of a leak, but uh, we had a Michael Jackson song, Hit the Internet, uh, a song that had never really been heard by the fan community in full before. Uh, And the song, of course, is called Seeing Voices. Now, Seeing Voices is not... When you first hear it, you're not going to really... It's, it doesn't sound like a typical Michael Jackson song in any in any sense of the word. it's absolutely very unique. Uh, it was originally conceived uh, by composer arranger and orchestrator Sidney Fine. Fine actually reached out to Michael to work on the on the song together. It was originally recorded in the 90s. Matt Forger, legendary studio engineer was a was actually a big part of the song as well. He was engineer of the song and then uh, it was it was revealed to a small group of people at a private party in 1999 that was hosted. Uh, by Sidney Fine. Now, it is a song that it's very, very orchestral sounding. It sounds like something you would find from a movie. It's it's very much like a... It reminds me of a show tune, actually, an old-fashioned sort of show tune. Very Uh, much. Yeah, Michael's voice in it is... Well, put it this way. When you listen to it, it doesn't sound like a demo that Michael uh, had just started working on and decided not to finish. Uh, It's a complete vocal... And it sounds Michael sounds very passionate and focused in the song. Uh, Q, what were your thoughts about it?
0: Beautiful, like yeah. I don't know. To me, it does sound like a Michael song. His voice is so perfect for this kind of track. Like this is not a dancey song. This is, you know, this is like a show tune. This is like a a song. I don't want to say Disney esque song because some people would have that as a as a bad connotation, but could go into like either a beautiful film, like an animated film, or some just beautiful Broadway esque kind of show. It's stunning. His vocals are just incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Just effortless and just so perfect. And you can this is when you hear songs like this, you will not get Rihanna singing like this. You you know, artists these days, there would not be many at all that has this kind of vocal perfection and that could sing a song in such a different style to what you'd hear on the radio. Like this is a classic singer. This is a classically, not trained, but a classically singer that, you know, has learnt from the greats and has talent from above, which is almost supernatural because the control and just the, the vibrato and the tone and everything, it's just Perfection. It's like speechless.
1: Yeah. Hey, that's a really good way to describe it. It is a lot like speechless, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Like, cause you know, his vocals in that are just so perfect that, you know, if you're driving the car, you almost have to pull over and, you know, speechless, I think for me is definitely, if I was to say, you know, if someone asked or oh, what, you know, what was his best vocals, I'd be like speechless, you yeah. know, that's like the epitome of brilliance and perfection and purity. And it's, yeah, it's like that and it's just I love it I'm yeah it leaked I don't know how it leaked and oh it's so hard when leaks happen because it's so conflicting because we're so blessed to have heard this piece of art and it is such a stunning piece of art but then we know that well Michael never released it he might have in the future who knows but it wasn't meant to have been released the way it has been and Mm. so
1: I think when you listen to the recording of it the the quality of the recording there is a lot of background noise you can hear some fumbling around and things like that especially in the first half of the song where it's mainly orchestral and somebody who I was talking to last night that had listened to it told me that they wouldn't be surprised if that recording was made during that nineteen ninety nine listening session that Sydney Fine actually hosted in California. Mm. They said that it's possible that somebody there may have had a video camera or a listening device and it might the the, the the actual recording that we heard come out yesterday might be from that you know, it might not be the original sound file. So yeah, I mean I'm not really sure about that, but I definitely have mixed feelings about the song coming out. In the first place. I I do disagree with leaks happening. I probably don't go as far as some people who think that Michael's um, work in progress demos should never come out ever. I, I do think that respectful releases, if done properly and paired with you know, albums and things like that. If it's done respectfully, I don't have too much of a problem with that, but for things to just be leaked out onto the internet by people who happen to have copies of them and not have permission from his family or the estate or Sony or anything like that. I feel I don't, I really agree with that at all. So I was kind of a bit disappointed when the song did leak, but then when I heard it and once again experienced Michael's magic, it was, yeah, it's a very, very important, or very, very special song I should say to listen to. So yeah, if you if you can find a way to to listen to it on YouTube or something like that, certainly uh, engage with it and then we'd love to hear what you think about it.
0: So did you mention what the actual basis of the song was? The basis of it? Um, yeah, like it was uh, recorded seeing voices um, as a song of the deaf inspired by the title of Dr Oliver Sacks' 1982 bestseller. And uh, yeah, the Ventura Club was where it was um premiered and, and really only ever heard. Yeah,
1: that's right. That's the only time Adventure it was ever heard.
0: Club in, um, yeah. So the the lyrics in it are amazing. It's oh. it is, so, and also Damien Shields wrote a smaller bit about it um, yeah. on his blog at DamienShields.com slash seeing hyphen voices hyphen is hyphen this hyphen scary. So that was when the original short, like, what, 30-second snippet leaked a few months ago?
1: Yeah. And that had
0: footage of um, not the making of ghosts, but the original connotation of that film was what accompanied it on its original leak onto YouTube. So
1: Yeah, if you want to learn a little bit more about the song itself uh, and how it was kind of used in the 90s, definitely jump on DamienShields.com. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. But as usual, Damien has investigated the origins of that song and put out a great article which talks all about it. So check that out for sure.
0: So we're going to hit the club now and we're going to go off the wall with some another mix by Nick. Remix by Nick, Off the Wall.
2: Come on and groom, yeah!
1: There we go, folks, that was Off the Wall remixed by Nick. Great, great track. We love his work. Make sure you check out Nick on SoundCloud to hear some incredible Michael Jackson remixes. So we had a competition a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, Q? All about uh Sure did,
0: the uh D Francis book, Michael Jackson Innocent, twenty eighth of february twenty oh five, book one. Congratulations to the two winners. Amy and Louise, Amy Evans on Twitter, and Louise Barrett from the blog, they've actually already received their book and are currently reading them now.
1: Yeah, we've heard some great feedback from them already. They're loving it. Uh, So happy they won the competition uh, it's a great, great book by D. Francis. And we, we did have a third winner as well. But unfortunately, uh, the person who won that competition, we've tried to contact them in, in numerous different ways but haven't been successful in being able to reach them. So we have actually uh, dipped into our draw of uh, backup winners. And- That's right.
0: We we sort of anticipated that that might happen. So yeah. we did a, a backup winners just in case. You've got that drum roll ready there, Jamin. For the winner of the book this week. Absolutely. Here we go. The winner is Miss Ireland from Twitter. That's right. So, Crystal Dayan Dayan, or however I pronounce your name, my apologies. (laughs) Miss Ireland, we are very happy that you were one of our backup winners, actually. When we did the backup drawing and your name came up, we were pretty excited because we know that you're one of... um, you're one of our biggest listeners and big supporter of the show and very deserving of this. And I was like, Oh no, she wasn't one of the winners, but she was a backup winner. She's (laughs) going to miss out. So it worked out sort of well that the other person did not get in contact to us as per the conditions of the prize Um, And congratulations, Miss Ireland. We will be – can you please email us your details, your address or your delivery details where you would like this to be delivered, sorry. Um, And we will forward that on to author D. Francis who will send that book out to you as soon as she can. So congratulations, Miss Ireland. And um, I know you'll be so excited and I can't wait to see your Instagrams and tweets. And Is she on Facebook as well? I think Miss Ireland is everywhere. She's everywhere.
1: She's on Facebook Instagram, Twitter, Uh, really great person to interact with, huge Michael Jackson fan. If you guys want to follow her on Twitter, you can get her at at C-R-I-S-E-L-D-A-Y-U-A-Y-A-N. And I'm not going to try and say that, but <laughs> I already tried and
0: made myself sound really silly. So, yeah, congratulations, Miss Island. I'm pretty happy that you were one of the backup names that got drawn the other month for the book, and that now you'll be getting it because you deserve it. Great, cool. So, congratulations. Um, you wanted to to talk about quickly something that that came out released last night, um, Jamin, for something yeah. that you're going to be talking about in more detail in future episodes.
1: Yeah, I want to in our next episode. I want to talk about this in a lot more detail. But basically, uh, uh, we we've had a new product be released. It is non official. Sometimes they're the best ones, in my opinion. But this is this is a a project that's. a person's been working on uh, for a very, very long time. It's the Michael Jackson 101 series. Uh, You can access the website at mj101.squarespace.com. That's mj101.squarespace.com. And uh, the author of this particular book series uh, has put out some phenomenal titles. We've used it in the past to some of our finds of the week. They've put out ones all about Michael Jackson's greatest songs, greatest short films, greatest remixes, all kinds of different things. And recently, uh, the author of MJ101 has released their very special History edition. It's actually spelt in a really cool way. It's history, but with a 2 instead of the T, of course, to celebrate the 20th anniversary of that uh, phenomenal double disc album. Uh, from Michael Jackson History. And yeah, it's a, it's a really incredible book. All you need to do to get it, it's so simple. You just jump on mj101.squarespace.com slash history and you'll be able to download a PDF copy of it right there and then. You can put it on your iPad. You can put it on your Kindle, on your Mac, your phone, whatever you want. And it is beautiful to read. Like, okay, first of all, it's track by track. So every page you go on, it's a different... Um, ...analysis of the different tracks on history. Not the first disc of the album... ...but just the new material on the second disc. And um, the author goes into detail about... you know ...his opinions on the different tracks... ...and their amazing opinions. And it's it's great just for reading it just for those. But I tell you what... ...if you want an incredible visual experience... ...you need to get this book. Because every page... ...high resolution photos of Michael Jackson beautiful high-res color pictures that spread across the whole page. Some of the pages don't even have writing. It's just devoted to the images. And I'm talking about still images. These are not crappy little screenshot pictures from the YouTube videos of these songs, okay? I'm talking about still images taken on the sets of the music videos for this album. You've got high-res pictures of Michael on the Scream set, You Are Not Alone set, uh, Stranger in Moscow, Everything it is beautiful Earth song to you know just some stunning photos, the teaser trailer f- uh, for the history album. beautiful photos from that. you need to get this book. you need to get the information out there about it to other m um, j fan friends of yours as well because it 's a project and a product that should not go ignored. Uh, absolutely beautiful. Jump on to Stop, Jamin,
0: stop. You're making me so jealous. I want to download it right now, but I know that our internet is shit in Australia and it would probably screw up the Skype call. You're making me so jealous. You're looking at it now.
1: I'm looking at it. I'm scrolling right through it. And I mean, I've only read a couple of the chapters in it so far, but um, it's the sort of thing I've been waiting to sit down where I've got a whole evening spare, where I can just sit down for a few hours and really just delve into the writing of this author because they are someone that puts all of their energies into putting out great products, beautiful stuff, stuff that I wish Sony and the estate would do. Why isn't this coming out in conjunction with a history 20th anniversary re-release? I don't know.
0: But there is our History Twenty celebration. There is nothing. We got a calendar and that was it. Seriously drop the ball on that one again, estate.
1: Yeah, well lucky that MJ one oh one's there to pick up the pieces. So. Yeah,
0: tell me about it. And like yeah, fans like this are picking up the, the, the slack where the estate and that shouldn't have to be. But you know what, you were right, because the quality of this would have been better than what they would have put out anyway. Oh. They would have put they would have put pictures from the bad videos in there and stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean like the the i mean the author of this the mj101 guy his attention to detail with image placement typography just font you know font choices um the spacing of the text everything you can just tell that he sweats the details he sweats the small stuff so grab it read it it's awesome
0: stop making me jealous i want to download it now but we have a show to do <laughs> <laughs> finds of the week Finds it a week time. Yippee! Woo. I've had this one up my sleeve for a while. Yeah, Am you've I been saving first? this
1: since the since our first show. I remember you talking about it way back then at the start of the year. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, and I've been rocking out to it ever since.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you go ahead and do yours first because uh, it's, it's an awesome one.
0: All right, I'm going to talk and walk because I just heard a cat knock a food bowl off <laughs> well, somewhere. And at least
1: they didn't eat chocolate.
0: Well, no, yours are okay. So just to check, your cats are fine.
1: They're great. I checked in on them just then. They're jumping around and drinking water and happy. So everything looks
0: okay. We've got like our cat biscuits on the top of a cat tower because Fatty Jasper, who was <laughs> just then at the top of the tower, you're busted, buddy. You've just knocked all these biscuits all over the floor. Great. I'll clean it up later. Enjoy the biscuits off the floor, guys. I'm going back to the office. <laughs> That's funny. That's like the first time they've sort of ever interrupted the show.
1: Oh, that's okay. I don't mind cat interruptions.
0: Yeah, but I want cat noise, not clanging of metal bowl against the floor. <laughs> Biscuits spilling everywhere. All right, back on track, Find of the Week. My Find of the Week is a album that you can download, um, and it is a mash-up album because you know I like my mixes and my mash-ups and stuff, and it will make Maybe, hopefully, some Michael Jackson fans happy and it might also make some Lady Gaga fans happy. I know that there is a few little monsters out there that I see on our timeline and on Facebook and stuff. So some Lady Gaga fans, this if you haven't got it already, you probably already do because it's pretty awesome. I am talking this week about the King of Art Pop, Michael Jackson versus the Lady Gaga mashup album by Robin Skateris. Robert Skateris is a music and video producer, a DJ a remixer. And I'm not sure of when this album was put out. I'm going to guess and say last, late last year maybe. I, I'm not sure.
1: That's when I first started hearing about it, yeah. Okay.
0: So it's, it's an album of there's a track list on the Facebook page which lists 13 songs we will only be talking about 12 of them because (laughs) one of the bonus track is the smash-up of Lady Gaga and Michael... Okay, so Lady Gaga song, Monster, and the... Abomination track, which is on the Michael album called Monster featuring 50 Cent. They have done, I don't know why this is on there because it's not even Michael Jackson, in my opinion, on the Monsters track from um, the Michael album. So as soon as I downloaded the album, I deleted that bullshit mashup track because I don't need that shit on my iPod. So I'll only be talking about 12 of the tracks, okay? So that's my opinion and just if you want download the album if you don't want track 11, which you shouldn't, I don't know why you would delete track 11 and then you'll have a 12 track album instead of 13. So it's a pretty well put together album and it's like a you know like an hour long pretty much full-length album. Um, there's an intro and then it goes into the mashup songs at the end there's a club mix. And then there's a mega mix, which is also pretty cool. We might play one of those in a, in a further show today. We'll try and uh, showcase one of the tracks at least. So I'll go through the, the set list. There's um so going down the tracks is Beat It Cure, which is a mashup of Beat It and Manicure. Do you what do what you want with my world is a mashup of uh, Do What You Want with My Body um, and Rock My World. There's Screaming Guy, which is a mashup of a Scream and G U Y. One of my favorite tracks, Dangerous Venus, which is the mashup of Dangerous and Venus. Rock Dreams is uh, like showcases the Rock With You, um, Michael Jackson's song Rock With You. There's Give In To Mary Jane, Remember the Art Pop Times, Fashion Gene is a really cool mix of Billy Jean. Um, with fashion from the art pop album. There's Dirty Applause, which is Dirty Diana, and Applause, which is also a great track. Then it goes into those bonus tracks, which one of them I've deleted and I will not be talking about. (laughs) Um, Don't know why you put it on there, Robin, because it's bullshit. And then there's a club mix of Do What You Want With My World and then the King of Pop art mix. uh, Sorry, King of Art Pop mega mix. You loved the um, club mix, didn't you, Jamin?
1: Yeah, I listened to the whole thing yesterday and there's some really great standout tracks. My favourite was Do What You Want With My World
0: club mix. That was not one of my favourites.
1: Yeah, it's interesting how we got different takes on it. Hey, I just felt like the, well, first of all, the the beat, the, um, the rhythm of uh, Do What You Want With My Body is just one of my favourite beats ever. And I just, I don't know, there was something about the vocals of You Rock My World that I felt really suited that, that instrumental rhythmic bass from Lady Gaga. It worked really well, I thought. but And yeah. it
0: was a bit different to the actual... Mash-up track three, Do What You Want With My World, is like it's got more of a club feel to it. Yeah,
1: it's it's actually a little bit more um, subdued, I felt. Like I, I think that the actual version on the album, Do What You Want With My World, is pretty intense. There's a lot going on. But track 12, the club mix is something you can kind of have on in the background, and I felt like the vocal and the instrumentation didn't conflict as much. It was a bit more subdued. I really
0: liked it. Mash-ups can be tricky because like, sometimes they'll mash-up songs that like don't really go but um on the whole there's like some standout ones on this album yeah that i prefer more than others definitely um i think beat it cure is incredible that was actually the first song i found i think i found it on youtube um and it just blew my mind mash up with manicure and beat it so and i was like what is this and that's when i sort of started digging and found the whole thing and it blew my mind um dangerous venus is i think incredible i love that track always just Rock out to it and dance and love it. Um, remember the Art Pop Times is pretty good. I think the vocals really suit, and the ad libs really suit this mashup. That's really cool. And then Fashion Gene is just oh, they could use that in like TV show or like some sort of production. Like a, like a, to me, it's like a model sort of um, down a catwalk fashion show song. It's so good. I love it. There's like two, two, basically it's like songs of Lady Gaga now featuring Michael Jackson vocals. So the production is from the art pop album and they've taken Michael Jackson vocals and put into those songs. So it's not all Lady Gaga singing. There's actually, I think, really only two duets between Michael Jackson and Lady Gaga, which is Do What You Want With My World and Dirty Applause. I think they're the two sort of um, duet tracks. The rest of them are pretty much all Michael Jackson vocals singing, you know, with ad-libs. And they've got, like, ad-libs from other songs as well. Like one of the tracks has part of um, Why You Want to Trip On Me, in it. And, um, yeah, they've, it's so well put together. Like this, this dude is a pro. Um, it's very well edited and put together. This isn't some, you know, quick little job done on a computer at home in in an hour. This is really well done.
1: Yeah. And the way I went into listening to it, I was really surprised because I'll admit I'm not the hugest Lady Gaga fan. I really appreciate a lot of her singles Like a lot of her songs But on the whole Not the biggest fan Like I don't go crazy for her So when it, when I went into listening to this I thought oh, I don't know if I'm going to get into it Because it's going to have a lot of Gaga Not a lot of MJ I couldn't have been more wrong It's like Q said It's mainly the, the musical production Behind Gaga's music With Michael's vocals on top And um, I, I, I started listening to it Thinking of it like I got a similar vibe Sort of listening to Some of the Escape songs It was like What could have Michael, some of Michael's songs sounded like if they had been um, produced by, you know, 2000s era producers um, or even beyond. So, yeah, hearing, hearing, for example, Do What You Want With My World, it's like, it's kind of like, what could You Rock My World have sounded like had it come out today? It's a really, really interesting take on some of his music and definitely has you thinking. It's very cool.
0: Yeah, it flips up the arrangements a bit. Um, which is always like really interesting to hear. And and, yeah, sometimes it works and sometimes not as strong, but um, yeah. And some people, I understand how some people don't like remixes and mashups and just leave the tracks alone. But for me, like it's not diluting my appreciation of the original tracks for either the Michael Jackson tracks or the Lady Gaga art pop tracks. It's not diluting my appreciation for those. It's just giving me another angle and another take to appreciate them. And it's, great fun oh, like god fun. i can clean the whole kitchen just doing this album in the background and you know it's really good fun and i love the use of like the michael adlibs and little bits of gaga in there and like yeah there's some it's so well put together it's a really really pro job and i would love to hear if you guys download it check the the show notes on the website and on itunes and Jamin. We'll put in um, the best place that you can go and listen to this. But I would really love to hear from people on um, email and Facebook and and Twitter, whatever. Just like hit me up and tell me your thoughts, good and bad. I know there's going to be bad ones out there that you don't like <laughs> it and stuff, but that's cool. I need a, you know, I like to hear both sides and and the reasons why. I don't just trash it. Like give a reason if you don't like it. Give me reasons why and stuff. But if you love it, I want to hear why you love it because um, I love it and I've been really, it's July now, end of July. I've been hanging out for ages to use this as a find of the week. Um, and yeah, if you do like the tracks, you know, I'll, I'll see if we can do another one in a future show. <laughs> um, so today we're going to do Dangerous Venus, which is pretty cool. And yeah, I love it. So I hope you enjoy it. And um, I, I have to admit, I am a bit of a Gaga fan. I've got to see two of her tours, which blew my mind. And I think... Um, out of all of the sort of the current day artists, her talent is so multifaceted and so true um, and so trained that she has like, you know, immense talent and is probably a bit underappreciated. I think we all saw when she was at the was the Oscars last year or this year when she did the Sound of Music tribute
2: mm-hmm.
0: and just like belted that song out with her arrangement of that um song from the 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 film sound of music and people were like oh my god she can really sing I was like well maybe if you'd given lady gaga a chance you would have actually seen that she can sing incredibly well great performer Um, yeah she has an album out with tony bennett and tony bennett is like an amazing legend and he's one of her biggest fans and they put that album out together and that's an incredible album um, so yeah, I love Lady Gaga. She's an incredible performer. She's, she has the elements that Michael did in her talent, in her performance, in her theatrics. And, um, there's not many people that can pull that off like Michael did, but Lady Gaga is one of them. Um, and yeah, our pop, I thought was generally a good album. Um, so yeah, it's really really cool that this little um, album is out there for fans to appreciate if they like a bit of Gaga as well so enjoy the track Dangerous Venus and um, yeah hit me up with your thoughts on the mashup album The King of Art Pop.
2: The way she came into the place I knew right then and there there was something different about this girl. The way she And lust. The girl was persuasive. The girl I could not trust. The girl was bad. The girl was dangerous. I never knew that I was walking
1: Awesome song absolutely love it and i think it's important to mention as well how much of a fan of the king of pop uh lady gaga actually is as well you know there was you know with her buying michael's clothing i mean she, i remember her coming out and publicly saying that when those auctions were happening when she was buying michael's clothing it was like she wasn't just buying them because she wanted them but more as a way to protect them from other people who might want to buy them and and just you know not uh, how do I say, preserve them very well and look after them very well. She wanted to keep them and preserve them. And I thought that was really, really cool. Her being a huge fan of fashion and appreciator and innovator of fashion for her to want to buy and protect Michael's own fashion that he innovated with as well was really cool. She so, had yeah.
0: some great stuff to say about the the costumes and clothes that she bought from that controversial Julian's auctions um, which Michael Bush sold all of that awesome stuff, which then he had signed it as Michael Jackson, uh, pretending to be Michael Jackson's signature on these clothes. I think that was proven in a sort of journalistic investigation that all of those autographs were quite suspicious and that was a shame that she bought stuff that had fake stuff attached to it. But um, she did some great interviews talking about what costumes meant to her, especially stage costumes because – uh, it's different when you're filming a video and you're wearing these clothes in front of a camera and stuff. When you're actually on tour and, and you know performing, these costumes go through a lot and they see the whole world with you and they're mm. part of you for those shows and very intense moments are shared with those actual pieces. And that's how she thought about the Michael Jackson outfits that she did buy to preserve because they should be protected and they should be somewhere in a museum looked after and for fans who have an attachment to them as well because they've seen them in the flesh, in a live performance, that then they should be able to go and see them in a museum like that. So, yeah, I reckon that Lady Gaga buying them was a good thing. I think that definitely could have ended up in some terrible places. So for her sort of um, protecting them and looking after Michael's legacy, because she is a huge fan and has huge respect for Michael and what he went through, um, I think that was an amazing thing a gesture on her part to do that. Definitely. So,
1: Find of the week. Tell me find. yours. Well, it's a really simple one. Um, it's basically by a guy. It's another mashup. It's another kind of mix, I guess. It only goes for three minutes, though. So this is a super quick one. Um, but the thing is, with this mix, where it's really strong is that it's actually got 40 songs in it. 40 Michael Jackson songs in three minutes.
0: That's crazy.
1: I know. And when I first heard of this I was like well that's going to be messy and how they're going to get 40 songs in there but it's kind of like just little elements of different songs put into it it's by a guy called Harry Code he uh, performs this Michael Jackson mashup on the Ableton launch pad and filmed it at the uh, West End DJ shop in London I hope you guys enjoy it you can hear it on YouTube but we're going to play it live on the show right now
2: Queen from a moon to a sun Share mind buddy. Remember when we fell in love We were young and innocent then
0: Pretty cool, Jamin, but I think you need to explain to listeners what an Ableton launch pad is.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's just kind of like a piece of uh, DJing equipment that you can use. It's very versatile. You can use it as a drum machine, but the idea of it is that you can program uh, different sort of sounds or samples into these little kind of pads that are on um, a surface. And every time you touch one of those pads, it you know, plays that sample. And so there's like lots of these little pads on the top of the, the machine, uh, the launch pad. And so that's why there's so many samples actually in this mix because he, the guy, like you have to watch the video to actually see it. We'll put the video in the show notes. But he's kind of standing there tapping all of these different pads to get the different, different beats and samples coming out of it. So it's a very, very versatile, useful tool for DJs to use in their live performances. Um, and this guy has used it all for Michael.
0: Pretty cool. I used to have a weird thing growing up to teach me multiplication tables that looked like that. It was this red pad, a grid, and you would press this bec- oh, sort of wow. plastic key and it would show you I had the like, same underneath. thing. That's what it made me one. think of. I had seriously, one. Seriously, <laughs> it didn't help. I'm absolutely crap at maths <laughs> and have a calculator in my work bag to help me at work and use my phone calculator all the time. Math is not one of my strong suites. But, yeah. <laughs> So it, that does that remind you? That's what it, it totally become... does.
1: Now that I think about it, I'm like, that's <laughs> that stupid red math thing Mum bought me when I was in grade three.
0: Yes, <laughs> he's doing Michael music mashup on a calculator. What? <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I'm like, that's so funny. But yeah, it's this crazy device, and that's pretty cool. That it's, I guess it's an instrument nowadays. Um, that, you know, there's still instruments like that being invented.
1: Well, it's, it's anything. You can put whatever sample you want into it. It can be a guitar, it can be a, a drum, it can be a, a sample from an actual, you know, studio recording, of you know, a vocal take. It can be a sample from a movie. It can be whatever you want. So it's very, very versatile. Yeah.
0: Very cool equipment. What's What are your feelings about mixes and mashups?
1: Um, I like them a lot. I think that mix remixes and um, sampling has a long history within hip hop culture. So I have a great respect for it. It's, you know, the, the art of juxtaposing different songs and elements against each other, I think can be really creative. And when you're listening to a remix, it gives you an opportunity to, I don't know, like remember, or just have a, a draw on different musical styles or different things in the in the one experience. So yeah, it can be a lot of fun. In terms of Michael ones, like mm it's hard for me because I'm such a mega fan of Michael Jackson that when I hear his music being used in different ways, I I can't mm I don't know. There's no Sometimes I really like it and other times I really don't like it and the only way I can judge it is by how I feel. I can't really explain it. Like there's sometimes I listen to remixes of Michael's music and I feel like it's really good and respectful and then there's other times I hear it and I'm like... Oh i don't know if that's how he would have wanted his music being used but at the end of the day are we are talking
0: about bad 25 afro jack we're talking drinks? about
1: Afrojack. that was one and of the pitbull, ones
0: featuring pitbull and
1: especially. blue oh gangster God. with all the tap drums on escape and like there's just some times where i hear it and i'm like oh that's not where he would have wanted the music to go but that's the case with any remix and the whole idea of remixes is that a DJ or an artist is taking vocals or whatever and putting it in a style that they're more comfortable with so the listener can have a different take on what that song would have sounded like in a different genre. So, um, yeah, I think on the whole, remixes are really fun and they should be taken at face value and not looked at as the vision of the original artist. So people judge them too harshly, I think, a lot of the time. In saying that, there's a lot of great Michael Jackson remixes that I really like, and I want to talk about a few of them now. Um, there's an album you can get on iTunes called The Complete Remix Suite. And this is an album that Motown put out after Michael died. And they actually got a whole bunch of the world's hottest producers together. You know, for example, No ID and uh, some different people. I'll just see if I can actually look it up on iTunes now. Is
0: this the one where the – I think I've got the same thing. Is it the one where Michael um, from J5 is sitting on the gold throne?
1: Yeah, that's the album cover. The, well originally it was released in sweets and that wasn't yep. the album cover. But oh,
0: okay, yeah, it says sweets one to five.
1: Yeah, so since they yep. put it out as as a complete package of one to five, they've got that awesome iconic picture of Michael as as a
0: little kid with the big afro sitting in, on the yeah, on a throne. I love that. And is that the the track list with Skyrider, Never Can Say Goodbye, uh-huh. Dancing Machine, ABC Forever came today? And I these guess. I love this album. Oh my god!
1: Yeah, and there's the the re- the people who are doing the remixing. They're not regular producers. We got Stargate. You've got Neptunes. the Neptune's, obviously. Who's Pharrell Williams? Um, Dallas Austin, Salam, Ramy,
0: Knuckles, man, there's, Knuckles. There's Akon, David Morales,
1: Paul Oakenfold. There's there's a really really. That, inner-
0: Akon remix of Ben actually is quite nice. Yeah, there's some great the stuff on Beautiful here. piano intro to that, which is just stunning. Really, yeah, really well mixed, the Ben. Um, we, yeah, you got some you want to talk about off this album?
1: Yeah, I think my favourite one from there would have to be the Dallas Austin remix of I Want to Be Where You Are. I think Dallas Austin actually worked with Michael on the History album. I think they worked together on a song uh, called This Time Around. Uh, but yeah, as for this, this uh, reinterpretation This remix of the uh, Michael Jackson solo song From very, very early in his career I Want To Be Where You Are uh, Let's have a listen to it now Interestingly, there's nothing on here from his solo career at um, Sony onwards. This is all stuff from the Motown era.
0: I guess there's we- a lot of great Motown mixes out there. Actually, that's a good point.
1: Yeah. So this is Motown seemed to be re- be very open to people coming in and remixing this stuff. So this is a really interesting take. The album was released um, in a complete set on January first, 2013. Uh, and if you want to hear some of the world's greatest um, hip hop producers doing versions of some of the early Motown, Michael Jackson and Jackson 5 stuff, grab this, have a listen to it.
0: Uh, My favourite off this album, I've got a couple, Skyrider, Heaven, my God, Skyrider is such a good mix. The Dancing Machine, there's two. I think it's the first one which I love. Oh, my God, that is such a good mix. Forever Came Today is a really good mix on there. Hum Along and Dance is a really cool groove. Yeah, um, yeah, Maria, sounds... that's a great version of Maria and Maybe Tomorrow. Um, but yeah, Skyrider and Dancing Machine are probably my top two off this album. But there's a lot of good ones on that album. That's a great pick. Yeah. Glad it's... you spoke about that. No,
1: no, that's okay. It's a really great one to find. Uh the first the first remix that I ever heard though was actually in the mid two thousands. I think it was in about two thousand and four or five. A few years after I'd become a fan and I'd, you know, already listened to a lot of Michael's actual work. By this stage, but then I heard this song It was um, Rock With You But it's allegedly a Daft Punk Remix of the song Um, It's called Daft Punk's White Label Remix Of Rock With You We're still to this day not sure if if Daft Punk Actually did it, or whether it was just a fan Remix that they attached the name Daft Punk to But it's definitely a very interesting Take on the song Uh, And yeah, that was probably the first one I ever heard Can you remember Q, what, what the first remix Is that you heard of Michael Jackson?
0: Yes, I'm actually just walking to the library to get the album now. Um, Back in um, Australia when Dangerous was released, which I've now got in my hand, um, Dangerous was released here as a two-disc album. Did you know that? I did not know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, It was released as a two-disc album. So Dangerous was disc one. And then, here we go. I haven't listened to this for ages. Um, Of course, I had it on cassette, so it was a double cassette album back then. Um, But this was the first CD I ever got. So um, Dangerous disc two is bonus CD sampler. And on it is, who is it? IHS mix, black or white, the... Clavillis and House Club Mix, Um, Jam, which is Teddy's Jam, mixed by Teddy Riley, In the Closet, The Mission Mix, Um, Give In To Me, there's a vocal version, which is I don't think a huge difference actually. Remember The Time, Silky Soul 12-inch Mix, Rock With You, Masters At Work Remix, and I think that's probably Rock With You and the following one, uh, Track 8, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, Rogers Remix. They're probably the most famous two mixes that I heard Um, early on so my first sort of um, introduction to the mixes was the uh, the dangerous disc 2 which had been released in australia not for sale anymore so it was only a limited release but yeah i wore the cassette out in my my little blue plastic sony walkman um, like my sister used to do i'm playing netball and i would go up to with mum, um, with mum or dad and my sister to netball courts, and then I would walk up to the shops, listening to my Walkman, and it would generally be this this cassette back then. But yeah, that was my introduction to remixes, and back then that was like the coolest thing. Like, oh my God, there's like another version to Black and White and Who Is It and stuff. Uh. And they they were because they were really good producers. There's some really good mixes on that. And it's, yeah, it was pretty cool little album. And then that was the first CD I ever got as well. And I treasure it.
1: Yeah, it sounds awesome. There's some great, great material out there. I really love the remixes by the Uma or the Ama, um, which is a music production collective uh, comprised of uh, Q-Tip, Ali, Shaheed Muhammad of A Tribe Called Quest, and of course, the amazing late Jay Dilla, uh, hip hop producer from Detroit. Um, who put out the great album Donuts? Those guys uh, actually did some remixes of the song "History." Of course, the title track from the History album, and they, I think they did two or three remixes of total in total of that song, which are some of my favorite ones as well. Uh, I
0: haven't heard those. You have to send me those links as well. I look forward. I love the song "History" and our other mix we featured on um, an episode earlier on. So these, I'd like to hear these versions.
1: These are really good. They're really raw. Um, they're official. They were officially remixed. Uh, sorry, oh. released. Um, and they are really, they got a really strong, raw hip hop beat um, in them. It's a lot more urban than the version
0: on the album. Did um, you like the history mix on Blood on the Dance Floor?
1: Um, not really. I find that a lot of the Blood on the Dance Floor mi- mixes, in my opinion, have dated not poorly. so well. They're yeah. very like Euro club sounding house stuff. And. <laughs> I know that's in some people's taste, but to me, it's, fine. yeah, for me, I it's... think we've got
0: very different tastes in the mixes because I really like the Euro sound. I love yeah. all over there. They just call it pop music, but I love um, European pop and like Swedish pop and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah I love it. Cool. I've always loved the history mix on blood on the dance floor album and on the, um, the ghost single. Thought yeah, that was good. But you also really love the refugee camp mix of Blood on the Dance Floor, which they yeah. actually used as a alternate video mix. That's
1: right. It came out on the DVD, the History Volume 2 DVD that came out. When you watch the um, Blood on the Dance Floor v- music video on that, it's actually set to the refugee camp mix, uh, which is uh, excellent. I think that's by Praz, I think, somebody from the Fugees. Yes, um, correct. Yeah, but really, really awesome sounding um You know, music, I love it. I think it's a great take on the song and, um, yeah, recommend it to anybody who wants to listen I
0: love on Blood on the Dance Floor, I do really love the mix of Too Bad and Money. They're my favourite two. I never, ever would skip those if they came on Shuffle. I love those versions. I think they really have the essence of the originals in them.
1: Yeah, kept intact, absolutely. Um, Guys, if you are interested in remixes, we got to mention Nick again. Seriously, like... I know, you know, he's probably not somebody that's putting out official remixes or anything like that. But the stuff that he does put out on his SoundCloud, if you want to hear interesting takes on Michael Jackson songs that keep intact the spirit of the original, you need to hear Nick. He's got another great song. I want to play it on a future episode. It's it's a threatened. It's a version of threatened. That's the first time he got my attention. But what a great uh, remixer he is!
0: Yeah, we'll save that for our Halloween special.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. So, um, some thank yous.
0: Yeah, we got, you got a lot today. I'll try and get through them really quickly for you. So, a uh, big thank you to Betty Lou um, from your email, Jad Schuster, Striker Mura, um, our mate Jacob Rathjen, who's, I think he's still in the US. Shout out to Jacob, Michael on. Oh, Vern- and,
1: and we got to say congratulations to him for graduating.
0: Oh, of course. Yeah, congratulations. That's yeah, part of the reason why he's over in the States. Yeah, what a legend. He He's awesome. He's got a great vlog channel, actually, as well. Does he? I don't think I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah, he does vlogs all the time. All the time. And he loves tech stuff, so all of the stuff he tweets. Like, you'd love to read all those articles because you'd understand them. (laughs) Um, Mary House, Sweets Addictions, The Omi, Cafe Fantasia, At Hearts Are Wild, Lockie, Oja. Jackson source blog and the legendary Michael Jackson blog from the Netherlands. Um, Graham McCall again, GM punk and little bat dog, Um, Pat Peterson and Denise Purcell. So yeah, thank you. Actually, Denise Purcell, that was, um, you sent me an email a few weeks ago and you were alerting me to the Catherine Jackson charity event. Um, so that was great. Thank you for letting me know about that. And that's why I wanted to talk about it today. Appreciate that email and the heads up. um, Joe Jackson's birthday is coming up. So shout out to Joe Jackson. It could be tomorrow actually, his birthday. So happy birthday, Joe Jackson.
1: Absolutely. I think it's the 26th though. We'll be sending this episode live, hopefully on the 20th, 25th. So by the time people have heard this happy birthday uh, to the patriarch of the Jackson family, Joe Jackson.
0: Yeah. A little cameo in Janet's new video as well. Oh, there you go. Isn't that <laughs> sweet? I don't, did we talk about that? when we were Yeah, talking we about... talked about that. Yeah. We did. Um, Another shout out to Dee Francis. Thank you so much for all you do, um, for Michael and and for us. Thank you for the the books for the competition. We were happy to give away the third book today finally. Um, And I know that the recipient will be so super excited. So congratulations again this Island um, shout out to remix by Nick because we do love your stuff and thank you for letting us play it on the show was that it?
1: Yeah I think that's all of our thank yous just in general to all of our listeners thank you so much because it's Huge all of, thank you it's all of your interactions with us and all of your positive feedback that keeps us going uh, there's a lot of work that gets put into this show so when we, when we hear from people you know on Twitter or Facebook or wherever it is it's those kind of interactions that give Q and I the passion to just keep going so thank you so much
0: Yeah, still waiting for some, um, doesn't sound like anyone's going to be celebrating Michael Jackson's birthday this year. (laughs) We
1: haven't got any submissions. No submissions, so (laughs) I don't
0: know why apparently Michael Jackson's birthday has been cancelled, but it's not here. I'll be organising a little dinner with um, fans in Perth. We're just trying to lock in a venue that will actually maybe let us play Michael's music on CD or something, Um, but if that's as simple as what you're doing in your town, let us know. Uh, At the end of the show, you'll hear the, uh, the instructions to send in your submission let us know what you're doing and if you are a tribute artist or an impersonator and if you're performing in a show that night to celebrate Michael Jackson's birthday please hit us up send it in we will play it on the show it's like free advertising for you but yeah if you're celebrating Michael's birthday let us know and uh, we'll play the submission so that other fans can know what you're doing and other fans can join in
1: definitely well I think that's a wrap for our show
0: that was yeah heavy music show this one that was pretty cool no idea what we're going to talk about next time. We'll, uh, it, a lot of this stuff happens in the week before we record and we go, oh, okay, new stuff, new video, new pictures. So we don't really ever plan too far ahead because things change so quickly.
1: Absolutely. But haven't we had an awesome last couple of weeks? Like,
0: It's been really good fun and there's been a lot of cool stuff.
1: I know. We, we reached a 1,000 Twitter followers.
0: Yes, thank you to Twitter. You've way overtaken Facebook. Yeah, that was. Thanks for putting that little thing out while I was at work. No, no, that's all right. Isn't it cool, we, though, who our thousandth follower was? Yes, Lavelle Smith Jr. was our literally follower 1000 on Twitter, which was, that was a thrill to see over my breakfast before I headed off on a big day of flying that day.
1: Yeah. Just amazing. I mean, like this is a guy that's worked with Michael uh, since the late eighties all through uh, lots and lots of different eras. He was on the bad tour. He choreographed dangerous. He was on history ghosts. Ghosts. He, he was even working with Michael right up until may, 2009. I found out I was talking to Damien Shields last night about it to get a bit of background info. And he was working in the studio, in the dance studio with Michael, right up until 2009, uh, just until Travis Payne uh, kind of took over with the choreography there. So really interesting stuff. Great guy.
0: Yeah, shout out to um, Laverne Smith Jr. because we love your work. Big, huge respect for you. Come Seriously, on the show. Huge respects. Yeah, one day, <laughs> definitely come on the show one day. We would love to talk about anything and everything and whatever you're working on at the moment. We also had another pretty cool follower this week, which um, we have mentioned a number of times because of his incredible book. We had Jermaine Jackson follow us, So shout out to Jermaine and um, he's got a song coming out in August, actually summertime feeling. Yeah. Yeah. We can't wait to talk about that in the future because it's a, it's a great little song. I love it.
1: Absolutely. Jermaine's an incredible guy. I love his book. Uh, Love his music and uh, he's just an all-around great guy. So hopefully we can get Jermaine on the show one day too. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that would be so fun, wouldn't it? And Latoya, I still you're still like my own top favorite person. I would love to have you on the show, Latoya. But um, Jermaine is an absolute gentleman. He was so sweet when I met him, and he autographed the book. He was so surprised. He was like, "Oh, you've read my book? You've got?" I was like, "Yes, I loved your book." Yeah, he was so grateful, and he was absolute gentleman. They all were. They were all the brothers are absolute true gentlemen. That Jackson family manners and respect. It's beautiful. But yeah, uh, thank you for listening, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the MJ Cast, Michael On from me, Michael On, and uh, have a great week.
1: Absolutely. Keep michael
2: girl?
0: G'day, it's Q from the MJ cast. Like you, we'll be celebrating Michael Jackson's birthday this August 29th. Will you be hosting or attending an event to celebrate? We want to hear from you. Record and email the details of the event so we can share it in upcoming episodes. Tell us the name of the Michael Jackson birthday event, how fans in the area can contact you, perhaps in an email or a website, so that they can find out more information on how to attend and if it's a local fan club, the name of the club or the group. The MJ Cast is a show by fans and for fans and we are happy to give attention to other clubs and MJ events. So email this 4 to 5 minute audio submission to the Cast at mycloud.com so we can tell the world about how they can celebrate Michael's birthday and join in the Michaeling fun.